Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 19 of Sketch Watch Play. I'm John Flurry. And I'm Felipe Diaz Vera. A returning guest, uh, one of our last ones, actually. This is what I was referring to at the end of our. Uh, Go back and listen to our episode 18, our, our last episode, our episode 18 sounds weird. Chris had to announce that he was taking hiatus from the show for the rest of 2017 to uh, focus on personal commitments. And while I toyed with the idea of putting the whole show on hiatus, I thought it'd be a good idea to do a rotation of guest hosts, uh, both old and new. We have several others in the pipeline, but first one, as it turns out, will be Felipe, who regular listeners may remember from our Powerpuff Girls episode. But in ca- for anyone who did uh, miss that, Felipe, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your own personal projects? Okay, uh, well, uh, for the past almost, it's going to be our five-year anniversary soon, I've been working on a podcast called Generation Animation, uh, which is a podcast all about cartoons, anime, and basically everything animated. We've been having a good run, obviously. We're going to be hit our five-year mark in about three weeks. Mm. In fact, uh, Mr. Fleury here has been a guest multiple times. There has been a long history of crossover at this point. I think I've been on there five times at this point. It might be a record. Uh, Okay, um, hold on. You were on for Final Fantasy, Samurai Jack, SWAT Cats, SWAT Cats Spider-Man, Spider-Man, uh, and Full Metal Alchemist. And Full Metal, yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> I, I, there might be others on my same on my same. Uh, that sounds like I was gonna say level, but that sounds like a brag. I've been on this <laughs> guested on this podcast the most. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, uh, we really, had Adam G. Nolte on four times, three of mm-hmm. which were Batman topics because we joked yeah. that he was a Batman guy. You had uh, who was the. The the British guy you had on for like Charlie Chalk and stuff. Oh, um, uh, uh, Tom Campbell. Was that uh, just those two times? I'm trying to remember. He's on. He's he got on a third time for Mucha Lucha. How, oh, wait, wait. What about Jello Apocalypse? How many times has he been? Jello Apocalypse has been on three times also. Okay. Uh, oh, I may he, be the champ, he, but uh, yeah, you, he, you're 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 the most frequent guest. I think. To be fair, one of them was a two. No, two of them were flukes because the Final Fantasy and Full Metal ones. Uh, or the last second, like, hey, are you free? <laughs> uh, I think Dave reached out to me about Final Fantasy VII because everybody but him and Tyler bailed. And I think he knew Tyler does Ty- not Tyler much knew of- Jack about Final Fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> so- and, but, and the full max one was just a fluke by, by, by me because I, when you said you were announcing it, I was like, how much are you going to do? And we really, no, you said, this much. Want to join? We need a third wheel. Yeah, because so, it turned so- out like Mark missed the episode and yes. Tyler uh, the Spider-Man yeah. was was because you had actually said beforehand, like people, you know, members, actually members of the, like the forums and stuff, reach out if you want to be on. Yes, uh, uh, I'm still I'm still a big part of protectioner for that. Like, I I welcome new voices on our show. If you want to be on, don't be afraid to contact me at Fizucker on Twitter. Yeah, um, because I like having new voices on the show. Uh, we do a thing called guest list every month, where after we go through about four weeks of us picking the topics we want to talk about we invite a guest to talk about whatever they want from our list of fan suggestions. And describe the list, because that's another key feature of the show. Okay, so uh, we have this ongoing thing known as the list, in which we ask our listeners to just suggest anything they want us to talk about, and we'll try our best to cover it. Yeah, as long as it's uh, animated or can fall within that uh, I mean, category. honestly, not even. Uh, we, there are some weird suggestions on that list, and there was a – and someone suggested Ace Ventura one time. That's right. Uh, <laughs> And you, you, uh, our guest saw Ace Ventura and wanted to talk about the movie. Uh, Chad Neat, who is a really good friend of ours, uh, wanted to do Ace Ventura. It's like, can I just talk about the movie? It's like, well, the list says Ace Ventura. It doesn't <laughs> say the animated, animated series. series. <laughs> now, now, if somebody ever suggests The Mask, you can pull the same thing. Exactly. Just tell that, yeah. yeah. And uh, but, uh, or another uh, one, I, a I recent one. A recent one was uh, Dave and uh, Tyler talked about various. Uh, 
like mostly live action, uh, live adaptations. action ad- adaptations yeah like flintstones and all that kind the of Grinch, all that stuff yeah they were easier yeah. on something than i would be but uh but well, they were also well, very yeah I, all one the guys on this are project, and, oh, yeah one minor personal project i want to plug really quick before yeah. i forget actually because uh people know about gen n at this point i'd like to assume we've been on for five years if and i've been on the show this show before promoting it we've also had tyler I, on exactly so i'm sure if you're you're a diehard listener of Sketchwatch Play, at least you've heard the name Generation yeah, Animation. One thing I do want to bring up is uh, for it used to be every year I would post on FanOff's website a blog about my favorite 50 albums of the year uh, because I'm a big music nerd. Yes, you are. You bring up and music almost as much as you bring up wrestling because you, yes. you all met through wrestling podcasts. <laughs> yes. And so um, because the FanOff blog stopped working, I hadn't been doing it for the past three years. And so I was thinking, like, let me do a list of my favorite. Uh, let me bring it back. And so uh, co- I'm already compiling a list, and I just want to throw it out there. Look forward in December, the return of me breaking down my favorite 50 albums of the year, and uh, it's going to be quite a list uh, with a bunch of variations. That actually is. I don't. I don't even listen to 50 albums total. Probably I'm. I have Spotify Premium. I have no excuse either. <laughs> As yeah, because uh, I, I like to I like to dive and ch- and check. No, that's good. That's that's what I should be doing. Keep telling myself to do, but it's actually it's the same reason I don't do much binge watching of shows and Jesus movies because with. either usually I'm either playing a game or working on personal projects like this show, videos, or cartoons. Um, and now I'm working two jobs. Uh, and I'll just I'll just real quick do, do, like, do holy crap. What? I think sometimes you think another. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I'll just, oh, just a little quick plug for myself. Um, I did just put up a new video because uh, I've been doing g- game reviews on my YouTube channel. Um, I did my first indie one that I was able to get a copy from from the developer of this great rhythm RPG hybrid called the Metronomicon. Came out on Steam last year, just launched on uh, Xbox and PlayStation. So check it out. I'll put a link in the show description, and it's a wonderful game. Uh, I also recommend playing it with a uh, guitar controller because it supports various control options depending on your oh, system. Nice. Uh, and I am also what, what speaking of music games, just really quick, did that Amplitude remake ever uh, see the light of day? Oh yeah, I reviewed it, um, and it it was good, but I was disappointed simply because. Because it was a lower budget, they had to make up their own music for it instead of licensing big tracks, and the soundtrack was very forgettable. Um, oh, but the actual, same thing happened with Rock Band 4's uh, bass track list, I feel. Uh, but it was still fun to play, and I would recommend getting it just with that in mind, because I love the core uh, gameplay of the Amplitude. It's one of my favorite yeah, rhythm games. Amp- I, me and my sister used to love playing Amplitude all the time. Oh, and, Shades uh, of Blue. I just adored that song. Um, computer the- controller, computer <laughs> controller. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. No, straight up, my favorite song out of there. Like I downloaded it onto uh, I uh, back when I listened to it and I loved it and I had to get it from Kazaa at the oh, time. Oh yeah, yeah. What's that time? <laughs> what the- um, Korashi's baseline, I think, is one of the best songs on that entire freaking. Oh, I remember that one. I I have the soundtracks for both Amplitude and. That one's not ringing a bell. Um, I was baseline, like, oh. baseline. We got those on the beats. Oh wait, yes, 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 yes. When you say when you did the rap, that was like, yeah, that one. 
Um, <laughs> yes. Man, just yeah. And the visuals weren't quite as good either. They went a little more dark and muted. Um, yeah. But I do. I actually do recommend the Amplitude remake, but I also remake. I also recommend seeking out the original. It's probably not very expensive. And actually, one of the things you threw out for what our discussion today, there were a bunch of things, and one we suggested was Rock Band Guitar Hero retrospective. And I considered yeah, being like a, a music nerd and a video game fan. It was. It's I, just my my perfect cross section. Yeah. No, maybe I considered. You, we should. Like, I, maybe, if, if, if if in case you you're you're running low on guests again, I'm just yeah. saying. I'd say like a whole rhythm game retrospective because I've played a ton of them and I've adored them. And I've touched on that in the Metronomicon review, like ever since Parappa made that genre pretty much a thing. Uh, yeah, uh, I've, I, I owned the original Parappa and I never beat it as a kid. I always got stuck on the bathroom level. If you go back, uh, it's easier to beat. And I recommend picking up the remastered version on PS4. My, my sister uh, has the remaster. Uh, however, for some reason, I just instinctively went to buy Parappa 2 instead. <laughs> that's, that's, I think Parappa 2 is underrated. Um, yeah. A lot of people dump on that saying, like, man, what a piece of shit. Granted, I do think Lammy's the best of all three games. Um, but I'd say Parappa 2 is in the middle. Um, one yeah. is a way, way less forgiving with its timing than the other two, uh, and that drags it down somewhat. Like, when I played the remastered version, I swear, the chicken level used to be one of my favorites, but it was just, I took me so long to get it in the remastered. Um, but I do, I still recommend people check that one out. And I'll just, and yeah, we'll, we, we'll save that for another day. Uh, I'd also love to bring up uh, two of my favorite games made by one smaller Japanese developer, uh, Guitaru Man and Elite Beat Agents. Uh, nice. And the Owen Don games by proxy, since EBA was an American remake, basically. Um, and the last thing I want to say, real, real quick, that it's just, just a fun thing. Uh, so the bad news: I'm working three days in a row this whole weekend at my movie theater job. Uh, the good news: one, I'll make some money for it, and two, I am actually very intrigued because I'm doing ticket ticker tomorrow, which is you know checking the tickets and telling people this theater on your left. Uh, so two movie, two big movies are opening tomorrow one is blade runner and felipe are you, do you know what the other is uh not off the top of my head you that doesn't surprise me because i remember you saying oh, okay i'll give you a hint it was a show that was one of your first things you reviewed because fan request and you were like it's fine but i do not get the fandom oh dear god um <laughs> and then bianca was like yeah because of the fandom i can't, can't watch the show anymore oh uh, hello you cut out for a second. One more time. I, I Okay, will you say anything for the past minute? Yeah, I was talking. I'm sorry, <laughs> man. I lost all of it. But one more time. Do you, so do you think you know what I'm talking about now? I'm being stupid right now. I'm drawing a blank. Just give it to me. My Little Pony. Oh. <laughs> the movie opens tomorrow. Okay. And I... <laughs> yeah, that Here's was... Here's the thing. I don't... I, I, I've watched, like, at this point two things for the show for MLP. Yeah, that's and what I'm saying. It's not terrible, but no, it's, it's like not. I have zero interest in it. Yeah, I, I've i <laughs> watched five episodes of the show, 20 minutes of one of the Equestria Girl things on Netflix, and I'm like, this is perfectly fine for kids, but this following truly yeah, baffles even me. Then, like, it's not like it's for little girls. It's just for small children. It's, like, yeah, that's no, what I, I, I adamantly say about it. There's nothing weird with boys watching it either, like little kids, because it's not overtly girl. I just They're not writing it with adults in mind. <laughs> Exactly. Um, but I – so I just – I'm really curious. I'm going to be paying attention to what kind of people bring in tickets for it outside of families. Like are they going to be wearing weird shirts? My, are my, they gonna... my first job was working at a movie theater. I worked at the AMC Sunset Place 24 mm-hmm. and I hated Ticket Tear because uh, I would have to just stand in one place for like three hours at a time and just go oh. to your left, to your right. No, that is left. really boring. The, this place <laughs> at least lets me have my phone to the side to like listen to things quietly. 
Well, in 2006, you didn't have cell phones that you could take That's aside. That's true. You had, well, you could play the little MIDI tracks. Oh, yes, because the one thing I want to hear is polyphonic ringtones of the used. I, <laughs> I had one of uh, Simple and Clean from Kingdom Hearts back in the day. I remember. Nice. And uh, But... Uh, no, here's and just the kicker to that, and then we can finally get to our main things. One of my coworkers at the theater is a brony. I found this out because we do a thing where they, we have a little list where you can request a poster for a movie once we take the poster down to take home with you. Oh, yeah, uh, but when, back when I worked in the movie theater, it was just like first come, first serve situation, which I've only ever gotten one poster from the movie theaters for the one? movies we were playing. Idlewild, the Outcast movie. Um, I remember that one. It's really good. It's an outcast musical in which uh, Andre 3000 plays a coroner. Huh. And they're in the South, and uh, Big Boy starts doing illegal dealings with a nightclub band and all this stuff. There's actually a really amazing sequence that, I'm trying to be as spoiler free as possible, one of the duo of outcasts tries to kill himself, oh. and it's really intriguing. Huh. <laughs> Maybe I'll look it up sometime. Um, but if nothing get- else, it has good music because it's Outcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Didn't CeeLo come from Outcast? No. Uh, CeeLo Green was part of a different group, which name escapes me right now. Because Outcast shows, is just like Big a, Boy and Andre. Like I said, shows how much I know about music. Um, yeah. But my point is, when my first day working there, they were giving us a tour and they showed us that list. I noticed one person had written down his twice his name for My Little Pony because it wouldn't make a difference, but he just wrote it down twice. And I asked, is he a fan? Does he have a nephew? He's like, no, no, he's a fan. He's weird. And I was like, oh, boy. But then when I met him, uh, he's actually one of my best friends at the job now. He is a really chill guy, and I just – I think I even told him, like, I wish bronies were – like, all bronies were like you. Like, the he, thing he is, does I, love- I, I've had a similar situation. Um, we've had on the show twice with the My Little Pony episodes my yeah. good friend Roy Elvers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's an awesome dude. Yeah. Uh, he I remember he even to- said when he was found out his uh, club activity was being posted on my Facebook about bronies. He's like, no, you don't want to be cramming down people's throats. Um, yes. Granted, I guess this coworker technically does because we do the thing of our name tag. We list our favorite movie beneath it. Uh, so mine is Iron yeah. Giant. His is Rainbow Rocks, the second Equestria Girls movie. And I asked him, like, what do people – how does that go? Um, they, he's like, they usually ask what it is, and I tell them. And they just go, okay, or they laugh a little bit and move on. Um, but, I mean, he's he's fine. And he actually he's actually our main projectionist too, so he said uh, – uh, the first showing, I think it just started 10 minutes ago from this recording, and he said if he if he was able to, he might sit down with during it uh, and wear a little pin, like badge of honor. Um, and actually, I will say, the movie got leaked like two days ago. Um, I visited a certain site for streaming cartoons, and there it was. And I skimmed like 20 minutes of it, and I'm like, it's for the fans. It's not awful, but the fans are the ones who are going to get the fan. most out of it. I mean, and I'm, I'm being perfectly legit there because uh, I really You're like only... Spi- Go ahead. One more time. Felipe? It's a connection issue, I think. I've had the that same basically... issue with Colin. Maybe it's me. Hmm. But basically, my voice-connected green bars would be fine, and then it would just drop to red. Uh, but I'll keep an eye on mine. Uh, do, you have conne- do you have issues on your side often? None. Honestly, no. Um, it could I haven't be me, had then. Issue- like, I used to have a bunch of internet issues, but I haven't had any issues in a okay. hot minute. It could be mine, then. Um, I'm just not seeing I'll check it on my bars. But, uh, but like, and like I was saying, I, I did, did you hear anything that I said? I heard you talking about him wanting to go to see be like he's a projectionist. He's going to go see it like opening night. The well, we and had the movie ha- was think, leaked two two days. Yes, ago and about. our but our first, and I talked to him about it. And he said he's actually wondering if that'll affect how many at least how many bronies go to see it. 
but I was like, it was probably never going to do game budget to begin with, and we don't know how big a good part, uh, like what the percentage of the audience's bronies actually will make up, because, you know, more families are going to see it than the bronies probably. But he also said uh, he'll be trying to see it on the opening screening and maybe like wa- walking with like, a little pin as a badge of honor. And I did watch, uh, I skimmed through the movie, the leaked version, and it pretty much is, it's for the fans. If you do you kind of and, the, and there's nothing wrong with fan based content. No, I was gonna say, um, I know Dave will hate me for this, but I really like old school SpongeBob and I loved that first movie. And that did not the get first great reviews. Great. I don't think there's anything particular. But, but critics didn't care for it. They were like, This is nonsense. I'm like I mean, this is an encapsulation. It, it borderlines like the soap bubbles montage is kind of a bit much, but it's like it's but, what you expect from a SpongeBob cartoon. But for, I mean, for critics who are unacquainted with it and want more refined stuff, then of course they're not going to be into it. Or if they're, even if they're just unfamiliar with it. And same with the ponies. I'm like, this isn't a thing where I'm like, how dare you not appeal to all audiences? They know their audience. And even though this movie wasn't for me, I th- I do think it, that it, the fans that already exist, they're probably going to really enjoy it. I'll say that much. Um, but we're not going to be talking about My Little Pony all night. Nope. Uh, we have three this topics in particular. And technically, they're all video game-based when you think about it. Um, so for our current media, I said, Felipe, you can go first. Uh, tell me about Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. The Sigma virus will infect you all in time. All will soon be ours to rule. Assemble your team. There is much to be done. Okay, so about two weeks ago at this point, uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, which is the latest fighting game crossover between Marvel and Capcom, came out. The fourth one, basically. Yes, it's technically Marvel vs. Capcom 4. Although it's not the fourth one, because you have Marvel Super Heroes vs. Street Fighter and X-Men vs. Street Fighter. Mm. So I guess this is technically the seventh one. But Marvel vs. Capcom was the name from the third one on, so... Yeah, Uh, but... And the thing is, I'm glad this game exists, because Marvel vs. Capcom 3... Kind of once Ultimate happened, it seemed like Marvel just stopped caring, and it's like, no more Marvel crossover games, and we're just going to do mobile fighters from now on. It had been a little while, you're right. Yeah, and so I'm happy that this game got made. However, after owning it and playing it, I want to say this is both the best and worst Marvel game I've ever played. And I'm really curious to hear what you mean by that, because I have next to no experience with this series, so please elaborate. so best because... This is the most fun gameplay-wise I've ever had with a Marvel game. Hmm. It's 2v2, and instead of... The way normally uh, Marvel games would work is... uh, If you wanted to switch partners, you would have to hold down your tag button, and your partner would come in and then do like a little pose like, yes, now I'm here, and that way your other person goes out safely. And if if you just tapped it, they would do a support attack, right? Yeah, they would do an assist. Yeah. Uh, This game got rid of its assists and did a thing called active switch. What that means is th- no matter what you're doing, you could tag at any time and your partner will come running in and you can immediately control them. Well, uh, if you're in the middle of being attacked by a combo, what happens then? You can you can do the same thing, but it'll cost you two meters. Okay. Um, that does add an extra layer of strategy to it, actually. Exactly. So at one point, you can literally have one person beating one character and one character beating up another in the corner. Like, it's, it's pure madness, which is what I associate with Marvel in the first place. But because of that, you have so much freedom now. Uh, basically, in fighting games, we have these terms for safe and unsafe moves. Unsafe means if you do this big thing, like, yeah, it could cause a lot of damage, but if your opponent blocks it, they can punish you. They're, you're left very vulnerable. Oh, hang on. If you can immediately 
I, you've been cutting out for a while. Do you want to try Skype instead? I mean, I could try. Sure. I'm going right. to leave the call and, and hop on Yeah, Skype. sorry about this. Please stand by. But to keep going, you were talking about uh, uh, we left. I think we left off at the vulnerable moves. So let's start from there. Oh, geez. Um, so where was I? So the great thing about it is that you would be able to do something that was normally quote unquote unsafe. It's just something like you should never do in a fighting game is, is leave yourself wide open. But the great thing about the tag system is you can immediately bring your partner in and suddenly what's unsafe is now safe. And now you have a mix up. Now you have advantage. Now you have all this stuff and it makes the game fun fighting game wise. This is the most complete fun, great to play creative Marvel game ever played, ever played. Okay. Uh, but while I love the fighting game aspect of this fighting game, what I don't like is literally everything else. <laughs> okay, elaborate. This game is butt ugly. It, yep, the designs yep, yep, yep. Are, are horrid. It looks like an up-res mobile game. Um, people, you heard people talk about Chung-Li after that. Uh, they trailer. fixed her face, but like Dante still looks like Steve Buscemi. <laughs> uh <laughs> Like some of the characters look like like Jedha looks like he's made out of plastic, um, but like I I don't know what's going on with that. The, the the there's no fun in this. The music. How can you have a Capcom fighting game with bad music? Oh yeah, it, how? It's it's insane. Uh, like uh, the presentation. You have an arcade mode, and you beat the arcade mode, and even Marvel Three had still endings with with text on the bottom. Instead, you get a congratulations. Here's an unlock color. Hi. And it it's it's so bare bones. Like yes, there's a story mode in there, but the story mode is super cheesy and not like you've ever played like Injustice's story mode or yeah. oh. Mortal Kombat story mode. I did an episode. We did a talk. Uh, I love the Injustice games. Injustice Two story mode was was the new. It's the new standard. In that okay, thing. now imagine if if. Capcom tried to do it, but instead of taking the cool aspects of superheroes, they just did the campy, cheesy, over-the-top aspects of superheroes. Mm. Like, right down to, like, Iron Man and Dante high-fiving. Like, <laughs> that does sound kind of awesome. Yeah, it, it's it's not terrible, but it's super cheesy, and it's, it's it seems like if all your effort went into this, and this is the reason why everything else lacked bluster, like, I would rather not have the story mode, honestly. Mm-hmm. People, I remember people didn't like the Street Fighter V story mode when that finally came out, either. I'm I'm okay with it. Uh, if you're a Street Fighter fan, there's a lot to love because there's so many obscure references and characters. And in you there. are you are a Street Fighter fan, correct? Yes, uh, yeah, I would I, say they they made a mistake in not shipping five with uh, the story right, mode intact, among many other things. Yes, however, they're rectifying that. I don't know if you've heard. In January, they're releasing Street Fighter Five Arcade Edition. Is it going to uh, be the super? It's, Street Fighter it's for 5, forty. Basically? basically, for forty dollars, if you never bought the original Street Fighter Five. Uh, you get for Street Fighter V with all the DLC characters, mm-hmm. uh, all the content, all the stages, and the story mode all right to your door, and, and it's going to be updated and all that stuff. And So well, basically, if you never bought Street Fighter V, you get for 40 bucks everything. Okay, I actually did buy Street Fighter V on sale a few months ago. Uh, do you know in how that to In that you're going to get all the updates for free okay, uh, in, cool. in January. Oh, they they that said works. that if you already own Street Fighter V, the updates are free. Good on them. Because compared to the other Street Fighter Five re-releases, I mean four re-releases, they're like, no, you just got to buy the whole thing again for these characters. No, they they, they said if you buy, you only have to buy Street Fighter Five once, and they were really adamant about that. Okay, and that's so they're, good. They're, so they, they they it took it's taken them what two years, 
but Capcom has finally fixed Street Fighter Five. Yeah, but I'm hoping the same should, for they still probably should delayed the base Street Fighter Five over Five by quite a bit by the sounds of it. But yes. uh, back to Infinite. It sounds like you're about to. Yeah, I, and to be honest, it actually kind of tides over. And I wish that the same thing happened because also the roster is really lackluster. Mm. Uh, there's basically there's no X Men characters, no, no Fantastic Deadpool. Four characters, no Deadpool. And do you know the uh, reason for that? Fox. I Di- the Disney wanting to spite Fox, yes. Yes. And um, on top of all that, like, the returning characters we get are kind of boring. Like, uh, like you know, don't get me wrong. Gameplay-wise, like, you know, I like Spencer, Nathan Spencer and Ultimate Marvel 3. But in terms of, like, a fanboy references, does anybody still remember the Bionic Commando remake? I don't even know why he was in that – why he's even in 3. That game tanked. Yes. Um and so you have 20-something characters and only about maybe six to eight new ones, if I'm not mistaken. Everything else is a rehash yeah, of Ultimate okay. 3. So wait, did they keep Beautiful Joe? No. They took him out but kept nothing in Spencer. What the fuck? There's no Beautiful Joe. Yeah. There's no Phoenix Wright. Amaterasu? No Ami. Uh, uh, well, we did get Mega Man X. We did get Mega Man X. Because Mega Man 3 had zero but no actual no Mega X. Man. Yeah. And the thing is, it seems like... Like, with the DLC that's coming out that they've announced, like, the game is going to have a situation where in maybe, like, a year and a half from now, you'll get a solid game. And like in terms of Because, you know, they're coming out, uh, basically, you're getting Black Panther, mm-hmm. Sigma, Venom, um, Black Widow. Okay, so we are getting a Spider-Man character. Yeah, well, Spider-Man's in there. Oh, oh, it was X-Men. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, because Sony's cooperating. And Sony Fox. is, yeah, 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 Sony yeah, yeah. is Spider-Man. Yeah. Um... But yeah, you're getting you're getting Venom, you're getting Black Widow, you're getting Black Panther, you're getting Sigma, uh, you're getting the Monster Hunter girl who looks amazing on the DLC trailer, and you know you're getting you're gonna get characters eventually. And like I do wish they kind of switch things around. Like why not give us all those new characters out the gate and then give us as DLC those returning characters? Make Nathan Spencer DLC, make Nova DLC. That which might be a better move. You're right for the less. But I guess because they know people want those other characters more. But, I mean, best solution would just be to hold off until all those characters are ready. Uh, we yeah, but from... I think they re- – like, basically, this game went from announcement to released within, what, like, nine months? Oh, real quick. And I, mean, I feel like Capcom just rushed this thing out the door. Yeah, like what you're saying five. really makes this game smack of uh, rush to not be too long after Injustice 2, maybe? Which sucks because, again, whoever – everyone – like – Peter Rosas and everybody in the fighting game development of Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite did a fantastic job. But it's basically plan. it's a gold nugget wrapped in layer and layer and layer of turd. <laughs> kind of like Street Fighter V when it first came out. Yes. Uh, Capcom has had this problem uh, with fighting games lately. Like I would say like if you're – the only reason you should get Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite right now is if you're one of those like – fighting game enthusiasts or tournament types because mm-hmm. uh, in playing this game with friends, playing this game in a tournament setting, going to a weekly, a local, this game is so much fun to explore and learn the, the little tech things about because the engine in there is fantastic. But if you are a casual video game fan and you want to play maybe one player online or just want to know what this kooky story mode is. I say wait, because it seems like in a year and a half they're going to do the same thing they did with Street Fighter, and you're going to get a cheaper, better version of this game. So I should definitely wait, because you just described me in that second category. And also, I just got to say, it does bum me out, because I love Injust- the Injustice Injustice 2. Was, we talked about it. I, I was like gushing over that game. I love it, love it, love it. 
But I'm a bigger Marvel fan. Here's a fan. big difference between yeah. Here's the big difference in Justice Two. Like, and I don't even like NetherRealm games the way they play. I do. But, They're more accessible. <laughs> uh, yeah, but. The thing that NetherRealm always does is they listen to their fans and what they want, even if it's the stupidest thing. Like, we're going to put the Predator in here. Uh, <laughs> Hellboy. Well, while, while Capcom seems to – or either Capcom or Marvel or somebody seems to be the opposite. It's like, no, you're not getting your uh, Magneto and Wolverine. I mean, by, well, okay, well, those two, it is Disney. But by the other stuff, I think it is Capcom because look at Street Fighter V. But I was just, my, my point I was trying to say earlier is it just – it does frustrate me because I – because of the movies at this point, I'm a much bigger Marvel fan than a DC fan. So I kind of honestly wish I was in a parallel universe where Injustice was a Marvel game and it was uh, DC versus Capcom. Because, I mean, if you're a movie fan, like I think the, the general – like you have Iron Man, Cap, Hawkeye, Doctor Strange, Gamora, and Rocky Raccoon. Is Rocket uh, paired up with Groot now, I heard? Yeah, Groot is now – is basically Rocket and Groot as a character nice. basically. And they replace some of the trap moves with like Groot assists. Nice. And his level three is and, different. Uh, to they, they also group. have uh, Captain Marvel, right? Captain Marvel, yes. Who Paris. is broken in this game? By oh. the way, okay. uh, I'm sorry. Like, I I love Captain. Like I love me some Carol Danvers. Don't get me wrong, but um, there's certain characters in fighting games that once you start fighting against them at a high level, you're like, I don't like this character anymore. And mm. Captain Marvel is one of them. <laughs> Basically, like the best characters in the game right now are. Dante, Gamora, Captain Marvel, and Ultron. Like, and they're hands down the best. Sure, I think you tweeted Rocket was one of your faves in Ultimate 3. Here's the thing. Uh, they, the game also completely changed its control layout. Oh. And so it comp- plays completely different. Basically, and um, if you've ever play played Marvel vs. Capcom 2, the, the, the layout, but layout is light punch, heavy punch, light kick, heavy kick. Mm-hmm. In Marvel 3, they changed it so it's just a general light, medium, heavy, and a launch button. Yeah. Well, now in Marvel Infinite, it's once again light punch, heavy punch, light kick, heavy kick. And so uh, while the character bases are still there, you I have to unlearn seven years of tournament <laughs> level rocket raccoon play. God damn. <laughs> and start from scratch. That is a shame. They yes. cannot make up their minds. Yeah. Again, um, if, if you're a fighting game fan and you enjoy playing fighting games for the fighting aspects of it, for the this game is line. tremendous. But if you if you have there's literally no other reason you should buy this game. <laughs> okay, maybe I'll rent it down the line once there's been because they've said have they said they're going to be adding patching more features besides just characters. Right now, it seems like just characters. Mm. Uh, although, um, again, we're only two weeks in. Yeah, we we'll do, see what, we'll see we'll what, see what announcements happens. are in a few months. Yeah, because uh, I don't think did they announce the story mode for Street Fighter Five like right when it was coming out, or was that a little later? Well, the story mode was there. Like, you, they, it was a grayed out option when you bought the game. Okay, so we. Uh, yeah, and then it, it came out like maybe four months later. Okay, and that was free. I. Uh, I yeah, it was a free it. update. I think yeah. you said like the free the characters and stuff are free though. You in the character. Okay, so the earn. way the characters work is basically Capcom. You could buy everything legit with money, but they did this thing called fight money. Yeah, in game currency you, you could f- earn. Play online if you play arcade mode. Uh, if you, or not arcade mode, there's no same such thing as Overwatch. Basically, uh, yeah, basically you can buy, earn fight money to unlock characters, and they have weekly option, uh, weekly goals or whatever. Where if you pop in, if you open your game once a week, uh, like you you're, you can buy every character without spending a dime. Hmm. Uh, but you know, playing Street Fighter Five once a week every week, you know, after a while, you just decide to stop. So yeah, like, even me with Injustice too. <laughs> yes. Uh, though with the new characters coming out, I might invest in some of them. I'm very curious to see how Hellboy plays. 
And if they'll get Ron, actually, they probably won't get Ron Perlman because they're doing that movie reboot. Uh, yeah. Like again, like I don't own Injustice Two because of the fact that like after playing Injustice One and MKX, again, the games are very well done and fan service. thing. But in terms of the actual feel of it, I don't like the way NetherRealm games feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very choppy. That's uh, like, you know, everything feels like it has a lot of weight to it, which for a Mortal Kombat game type makes sense. And for a game about superheroes. Yes. But, like, basically, I don't like feeling like I'm swinging my punch. Like, whoop. I like, be like the jab go like, da, 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 da. Which is why I like playing Street Fighter and Marvel and Tekken. Uh, mm. Like, I like being able to go from one thing to another very smoothly. That, that perfectly makes sense. And, uh... Do you want to move on to our next subject? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much done here. I just wanted to say that Marvel Infinite is the most fun game I've ever hated. <laughs> perfect. Put, put that on the cover. That's a review <laughs> quote. The most perfect game I've ever hated. Go play it. Actually, so two things. One, I'm just going to step away for a second to get some more water. And two, can I actually ask you to turn down your headset volume just a little? How about now? I think we're good, yeah. So... I think I brought this up earlier. We actually, each of the games we've picked for opening thing are, are things the others is pretty much completely unfamiliar with. Uh, I've been sinking a lot of time over the past week or so into, I would say a little game, but it, it's one of those things that's kind of more in between niche and big because it's got. It's I've seen its following get a lot bigger in the states with each new I, product. I I, I I saw well before I I don't want to spoil it before you say what it is. So. Well, that, it, I'll tell you right now, it is the third entry, third main entry in it, it's Danganronpa V3, Killing Harmony. We are the Mario We've got to work together to find the mastermind. Then we can end this killing game. So I, I want to say something like I'd never heard of this franchise before, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm a big fan of Honest Trailers. Okay, so you've seen and, the Honest Trailers uh, for that. Honest Trailers uh, has been doing Honest Game Trailers on the Smosh uh, video game channel. Yes, and they decided to do a poll of, like, things that we weren't planning on doing, but, like, hey, what do you want us to cover? And there's, like, ten topics. And Daganropa won. Yeah. And so... So did you get some info from their video? To be honest, I haven't watched it yet. I just know it won. Okay. Because, <laughs> like, cause... I kind of fell off the Smosh bandwagon. Like, to be honest, like... One of them I'm left, not going right? to go into detail. Like, Smosh games, like, I, I can't stand, like... like the, the main Smosh people, like uh-huh. Smosh, the, 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 the skit show. Yeah, I've never even watched them. But uh, Smosh Games is literally just a group of people that have nothing to do with Smosh, but they're just associated with them yeah, deciding the to play video games and doing stuff. And, and they're a bunch of cool people, and I enjoy and the, watching Yeah, them. and the Honest Game Trailers gets the same guy who does the voice from the Honest Movie Trailers, which that, that, that whole thing has a fun style. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I think it's most fun when they dig into total pieces of garbage does I mean they do a lot of good movies too, but it's still stuff you can point out like yeah that that they have a point there. So, but other than that, do you have any knowledge of Danganronpa about the premise or the characters or all that? I know there's a bear with a half white, half black face. That okay, is literally it. All right, I will sum it up for as quick as I can. Okay, watch it. First off, have you ever played Phoenix any of the Ace Attorney games? Yes, I have. The core gameplay is pretty much that meets something like Persona. The idea for each main game, because it's also been a spinoff, is that you play one of, I think it's always about 16 high schoolers who wake up imprisoned in this, like, confined building or location, and the villain is this bear, uh, Monokuma, who 
they make it clear actually he is a remote controlled thing um and there's a mastermind controlling him disguising themselves and orchestrating this whole kidnapping and like keeping everybody in the dark about what's going on or their motives uh, so i like to call him the anime equivalent of the jigsaw puppet though he's actually, he's actually a fantastic character uh and his his the way he sets it up is I've made it so that you can never leave or see the outside world again unless one of you kills another and gets away with it. Uh, the idea is they'll often start out tr- trying to live in peace. Eventually, inevitably, a body is found, and that's when it goes into full Ace Attorney mode. Uh, in the in between time, you you can choose uh, like you get free time periods and you can choose which characters to spend it with, bond with them, get some backstory, and get like uh, ability points for stuff. So you can it's, use. it's kind of like your general like. Uh, JRPG bonding system. Like, yeah, yeah. Who, I think Persona that does that for school segments, if I believe, if I know correctly. And the like, the interface kind of reminds me of stuff like Persona too. Um, very Japanese, uh, exaggerated, bright, vibrant colors in the interface. Uh, I like it. Uh, and so basically, you know, once the body's discovered, uh, then it gets into the pure Ace Attorney phase because you have an investigation period where, because the main interface when you're exploring is basically point and click. Uh, and you look at each location and be just pick up, all right, well, this is evidence, this is evidence, this is suspicious, let's add it to evidence. Uh, and then you all have your big trial. And that, just like just like Ace Attorney, that's the true highlight of the game because th- this is a series that is very good at uh, surprising you when it comes to uh, not just not, – not even just always the killers but just other plot elements. Sometimes – like sometimes you, you get surprises about the, the victim. Like it turns out, there was something about him that t- played into the murder, and uh, there's something about like, um, and don't take this the wrong way. And this is gonna sound like it's his own genre, but not really, but kinda. Hmm. Uh, Japanese high school murder situations. Oh yeah, Isn't that that I've what never high been dead super is? high on. Uh, I, and I, well, actually, I, cause I know you said in the past schools the most like, played out setting to you in, in media. Yes. And I I don't like it in anime myself. That's one of the reasons I fell off the anime bandwagon for years is because I was sick of everything being dumb, like Moe high school garbage. But really, the fact that it's a high school thing isn't as much of a setting, isn't as big of a factor than probably making it sound. It's because it, it's not playing into like classes and stuff, more just about the environments. Uh, and the second one actually said, screw that, just put them all on a tropical island. Uh, and that is one of my complaints about 3, is that it, it's another school again. I kind of wish they'd kept going with the theme of just something completely different environmental-wise this time. But really, the meat of Rampa is the characters. Uh, it it falls heavily into the visual novel trapping, where it is more reading than or listening dialogue than, than playing. Uh, though in the trial segments, they do the thing of, like, you'll get a bunch of uh, statements made by different people, and each moment of those provides you a specific uh, items of evidence. You have to choose the one to use on a specific statement to counter or agree or elaborate on. Uh, and they're like little mini games there to like piece together. Like, I guess it's to simulate the main character piecing together evidence in their mind. And yeah. the new ones are, they've been getting pretty crazy. One's basically Minesweeper. Uh, and one what? is uh, something like, it's like one of those puzzle games where like, all right, if you tap this tile, every tile connected to it at the same color will crack and and then the one and then the ones surrounding them will change color they'll, like they'll rotate and uh then there's one this, this game where it's basically outrun like okay you're driving this neon tunnel you're gonna pick up cubes with letters saying so question then you drive into the person that's holding the right answer <laughs> and it's a twisted and batshit insane series um not just because like it has a lot of humor when you're just getting to know the characters and even even in the uh 
in the trials themselves, because some of the characters, much like Ace Attorney, are just perpetually ridiculous. Like, the idea in each of each supporting cast is that they're, they're from, a, like, an elite group of high schoolers considered ultimates, because they are picked as the ultimate in whatever their field or their skill is. So, like... So kind of like My Hero Academia. Something like that. I don't know that much about... Obviously, no, no actual superpowers, but that idea of these are the best of the best. Well, I, I mean, if we're talking main character, that actually does tie into the main characters of the first two games in that people are... Like, one, 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 the first one, he won a lottery to get into this school, and so he was just considered a lucky student. And the second one, he can't find, remember or, like, be aware of him having an ability, and so people are doubting him and yada yada, uh, and both play into the end and the themes of each game. And in the case of the third one, uh, this is the first to have uh, a female protagonist, because there was actually an action game spinoff between two and three that had the main ca- character of the first game's sister, um, Ultra Despair Girls. I That one actually wasn't a big fan of uh, at least playing, or even the story wasn't as good. I'd say if you're to be completionist, just look up the cutscenes on YouTube. And then they've been weird about the progression of the story because they did the first two games, that, an anime retelling of the first game, and then an anime called Danganronpa 3 to wrap everything up to that point. And then V3... <laughs> just to be weird. And then V3 is called that instead of 3 because it is... I'm so convinced it does – I've read reviews that are spoiler-free, but they're saying, like, no, this does tie into the into the others, but you'll have to go through all of it to understand why. Uh, two is the same way because without getting to spoilers, you get the feeling that the characters here should – the, the end of the first game makes it clear that the outside world did become aware of what was going on in this school. And in the second one, they're seeing Monokuma and be like, what is this? What is that? And there's also one of the characters from the first game is there, but – no memory of it and so you like how does this fit in and it all makes sense by the end in a super batshit so wait a minute so basically it starts off with a friend building situation okay and then like supernatural stuff starts to happen i wouldn't even say supernatural uh murders happen eventually one student is motivated to kill another and then the monokuma's rule is once three or more people find the body he sounds an alert and says get investigating then we'll do the trial because the idea of the trial is um they present the evidence, and at the end, they eventually have to vote on who they think the killer is. And the motivation is, he says, all right, look, if you all correctly vote the killer, I will brutally just kill the killer, and you go back to this imprisonment. If you pick the wrong one, I kill everyone but the killer, and the killer gets to go free into the world again. So that is, more often than not, the killer's motivation is they cave to the idea of finally being free. Huh. Yeah. Uh, and but also some of the games put kind of twists on that, uh, and I and, and well because it, it's it's like Phoenix Wright in that it's a case to case basis. It's divided into chapters, and there could certainly be plot elements that carry over from each to each, particularly like the beginning and end. And this, this series just going forward, because I remember the first case of the uh, first game when I got to the to who the victim was, I was like, I did really not expect it to be this to be that one. They were setting something you would expect up and then pull the rug out from under you. And then even at the end, when you find out who Monokuma's controller and the killer is, it's a real mind fuck going with what you're already aware of. Uh, and then the second one, I, again, I don't want to spoil anything, but they managed to pull the rug out from under you in a way that I don't think anybody could ever have guessed. Uh, but it makes a lot of stuff make sense. And yeah. this third one, um, now I talked to you about this earlier I am not again. I'm not going to say actual spoilers in this in the fight. Well, in the expert episode, but I want to tell you the first trial of this floored me because I can count the number of games that have done something similar to this on one finger. 
maybe two, and that's a stretch. So I'll sum it up real quick. So the setup for this one is that something cool about this one. This one, like I said before, it's the first uh, uh, female protagonist, and she actually does have her uh, talent out of the way. She is the ultimate pianist. She's you know she's obsessed with classical music and stuff. Oh, of course. And you often in like in each of the first two games, you had someone who kind of you know unofficially became your BFF and right hand person in the investigations. Someone you felt you could trust. Uh, My ride or die, bitch. Uh, well, I'm sorry. Games, I just watched Netflix's Naked, and so it's like in the first two games those characters were girls. Uh, but th- no, in this game it's a guy um, who is the ultimate detective. But he's someone who uh, he is a very you can already tell he's really like uh, down on himself and very unsure about his skills. And so in this case, the first so one thing interesting they do is that you start to realize some of your memories have been wiped because you're having trouble remembering what happened to you before you got captured. And there is one guy there who seems a lot more aware of what's going on because he actually does have... He actually brings up... Because Monokuma calls this the killing game. Oh, and i got to mention one cool addition is that now Monokuma has five cubs, uh, the Monokubs. Because uh, yeah. he states he's still remote control, but they are AI robots pretty much because that was a thing in... Uh, and the spinoff was AI Monokuma drones, basically. And they're awesome. But, uh, so... So, in general, this is a recommendation. Uh, yes, like, yes. Okay, I'll, I, I, I'll, I don't mean I'll, to, I'll get through this. to I'll cut get, you I'll, off I'll, there, but you, like, because, like, you were kind of in a flow I'm there. So, I'm sorry. But at the, <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'll finish up real quick after I get to my big point, because I just want to record if you're going to have a reaction to it. Huh. Well, <laughs> Dang it. I'm a, it was Chris. I've gotten I don't a better reaction. Need to be rude about this because it's like, like you, you seem really into it, and you you kind of broken down everything, and it's like it's like it feels like you're trying to sell me, but it's like that's interesting, and it's like I'm sure people that are super into that kind of genre in general uh, okay. <laughs> would be smitten over it. I apologize, uh, but, um, but at the same time, it's like. I'm sitting here twiddling my thumbs and it's like, this just doesn't sound like my thing. And it's not against like, again, like, no, no. I mean, Marvel's Capcom is my kind of thing. So there you go. Yes. (laughs) But yeah, like I was saying it, the game, the only comparison I can make, like I said, counting on one finger is. Yeah. They, they've done, there's another example I could think of. Does it at the very end? Yeah. Uh, they, 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 and also in like movies, you get that kind of thing or like, Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I brought up this comparison on, on generation animation and Tyler killed me over this, but I actually, I'm going to have to cut this part out because I don't want to hint at anything. Yeah. Just getting past, like, it was a twist so insane that I was like physically, mentally reeling from it for like the next day. Like I cannot fucking believe this. This is unreal and i've heard even more like the reviews are careful they're better careful not to get exposed but they're saying like if you thought the ending the second one was a mindfuck which it absolutely was that was had me going like what the hell they're saying the third one is the ballsiest and one of the ballsiest endings to a series i have ever seen was one review saying he's saying like it is guaranteed to be completely divisive forever among this series fans and it is almost meta in that you kind of feel like it's the series creator expressing his feelings on the series and its fans as a whole or something. I've even heard something about how people say it invalidates the previous entries. And my head's full of theories, but I won't know until I reach it. And I won't know how I feel about it until then because uh, I'm also, I just finished the second trial and that also did a good job. There's of something about uh, 
So really, kudos to the team for they're still finding new ways to surprise me with this series and i'm intrigued to see what that includes including the ending like even if i end up pissed off about it i'll bet i'm going to be like kudos because i couldn't have seen it coming but and yes i do absolutely recommend uh so far dagorampa v3 but i also recommend you play play them in the order they were released uh two absolutely does tie into one that you don't understand how till the end Ultra Spare Girls, I'm not sure if it's the most important. I'd say just watch the cutscenes. Then do watch the three anime, or at least read a plot synopsis, because it does explain a lot more things and put a bow tie on things. And I've yet to see... It's still unclear how this one ties into the others, but it sounds like it does. And I'm sorry that I probably made all, all this rambling just left you... Like you said, huh? Uh, yeah, like, I, like it's just like, I, I don't want to cut them off because I don't want to be rude, but at the same time, it's like... So I get what? what you're saying, and you're really excited about it, and I'm sure uh, that people <laughs> that are interested in this kind of uh, yes. genre yes. or are like, "Well, wait, this happens." Like, cool, yes. but yes, because it's me, I'm just kind of sitting here twiddling my thumbs, like, "Oh, okay, yeah, all right." Yeah. But and yes, and I just gotta <laughs> say, if you are ever interested in this series, or if you play the others and haven't played this one, this one above all else, do not look up any any reviews or playthroughs or discussions don't go on any forums don't go on any like the end of this first trial and i'm sure other game you do not want spoiled because it was most of the impactful shocks i've ever had in a game because i've basically never seen anything like it but since so we're done talking about something i like that felipe was not into felipe talked about something that i'm not familiar with um let's get to our main topic which is something that we're both familiar with uh yeah suggested and i know you've even talked one component, one uh, iteration of it on your own show back in its early episodes. Yeah, really early episodes. Yeah, we are about to talk the with a multimedia franchise, uh, the creation of a, an awesome artist named Steve Purcell, uh, and by the title of Sam and Max Freelance Police. Well, here we are, woefully lacking chutes and falling at one billion feet per second. Is it my fault the restroom and cockpit doors are virtually identical? I can't imagine what it's going to be like to hit the bricks at this speed. I know. Grab me by the ears. You are aware there are children watching. Just do it. Indeed. Uh, Can I say a weird confession? Go for it. The first time I ever got introduced to any Sandmax media wasn't the comics, wasn't the cartoon show. I saw a trailer for the first Telltale game uh, on YouTube. I'm like, what the heck is this? What's this big dog and bunny guy? You weren't aware of it until then? I wasn't. I wasn't aware of Sandmax until about the mid 2000s. Yeah, that was and- pretty late in because. Me well for me it was uh, it was the cartoon. So let me just give a quick outline of the history of this thing. It started in the eighties actually. Steve Purcell he was an indie comic artist, and I've actually heard he was working at Lucasfilm and was drawing these comics on the side for fun. And they would be like independently published. They would be little black yeah, and white. Yeah, basically like he's been drawing Max since he was a child. Uh, oh, basic, cool. uh, apparently uh, they weren't his creation. Uh, huh? his big brother created Sam and Max and he just drew Sam and Max, uh, <laughs> his co- brother, co- every co- man like stories, <laughs> uh, like basically like even, and so like, I remember, like, I don't know if this is him or somebody else hearing a story about how, like as a kid, they wrote a crayon like thing. Like you now have the rights to Sam and Max. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> like, Again, it's been a long time since I've seen this documentary interview uh, that's on the DVD. To, of yeah, Sam to be Max fair, Rolf I'm Police. pretty sure 99.9 of the material does come from Purcell himself. 
at this yes. point. Yes. Yeah, um, basically, but just like the initial idea of this cat, uh, not cat, uh, this rabbit and dog cops were from mm-hmm. his older brother, and he just made these stories around it. And actually, because I know you guys confused this, Max is not technically a rabbit. He is he, a lagomorphic rabbity thing. I looked it up on a fan website. He is part rabbit, part wolverine. Oh, which of would definitely explain his uh, ferocious teeth. tendencies. Oh, that too. And so, yeah, this. So they've been in comics. Their first adaptation to something else was, I'm sure, I guess someone at Lucasfilm saw it because this was back when they also owned LucasArts, the video game developer who became most famous for their adventure games back in the days, like Monkey Island and the like. And so they chose to adapt Sam and Max into a point-and-click adventure game. Sam and Max hit the road, um, which was – it took me a long time to play that game. That was also – that was also – I think made – I might have been, finally been encouraged to do it around the time the – a little before the Telltale games came out. But they did that, and a few years after that, we got a TV cartoon, uh, very short-lived, one season. Yes, one uh, season on Fox Kids. Yeah, uh, uh, titled Sam and Max Freelance Police. Uh, which I, I, I remember there being a big hullabaloo in the, about how people were like 50-50 on it in weird ways and that hardcore Sam and Max fans that read the comics and its stuff were like, this show isn't violent enough. Where's all the gun stuff and people exploding and all this stuff? And the opposite, people had no idea about Sam and Max is, wow, this show is so vulgar. Like, how did they get away with all this I, stuff? I, I, yes, like, there's more like blood stuff in the car- in the comics. But for me, that's not what makes Sam and Max because I feel what makes Sam and Max and what is intact about uh, – because so after the cartoon, I actually looked it up. The path from there to the next proper duration was very troubled because – there were preliminary plans for a Hit the Road sequel at LucasArts that fell through. Around 2001, uh, an indie company was going to do an Xbox-exclusive game, uh, something like Sam and Max Go Galactic. Apparently, the premise was going to be them traveling the galaxy looking for the Statue of Liberty. But that company declared bankruptcy, so it didn't happen. And the one that bummed me out the most was, because this got revealed, uh, LucasArts was around 2003-ish or 4-ish. They were going to do a full-on sequel uh, called Sam and Max Freon's Police. Full-on 3D, uh, same voice actors from the first game. There was a trailer released. I think some magazine showed screenshots. And then out of the blue, they just canceled it. And from what they said, we were able to piece together. Basically, it was because this was around the time the point-and-click genre was dying out in terms of being a mainstream thing. Because they'd done Grim Fandango a couple years before, which is one of my favorite games ever. But it kind of flopped. Uh, And other high-profile adventure games were suffering similar fates, like mainstream audiences just... Yeah, LucasArts kind of, at this point decided, like, you know what? No more Sam and Max anything. We're just focused on our Star Wars games. Pretty uh, much. Pretty much. And so... And I remember reading uh, C. Purcell. He was really heartbroken because he said, yeah, it wasn't a case of quality. The game was almost done, and what I saw of it was... I was really... It was going to be great, and just bumped me out. And it got even worse. Like, Salt to the Moon was that there was... An, I remember an indie, indie publisher tried to buy the rights from LucasArts to finish and publish the game, and they had to post on the blog, yeah, it fell through. There's nothing we can do at this point. And, yeah, there's it's, there's never been anything leaked. Um, so I always kind of wonder what that game would have been. It, it but, took uh, a bunch of those LucasArts guys to literally quit LucasArts and yep, start their yep. own team. This is... I'm, I think by now, most people are aware of Telltale Games, and... They started. Yeah, around. now they're like, the, the Telltale has like kind of a love hate relationship at this point with general gaming fans because yeah. of the way they handle content, mm-hmm. uh, episodic content in general, uh, the way they tell their stories. Well, uh, th- their style is very different from what they started as too. Um, just because like they started out doing conventional point and clicks, they started with uh, they attempted to do a series based on Bone. They got through two of them and then abandoned it for whatever reason. But their first big one after that was they 
uh, uh, LucasArts contract yeah. with Seaprestel expired, and when Telltale said, let's do a Cinemax game, he was like, fuck yes. And so we did, they did, uh, because Telltale does the, their game releases in seasons, where you get like once every month or two, a two, three hour episode, and they do five in total that make like, like an average adventure game length. And I forget while, what the did, first one was actually called. Uh, uh, Save the World, I think. Yeah, Seven Max Save the World. That's the only one I played to completion. And there were two sequels afterwards. And just, just to elaborate on Telltale, because I think there's still a lot of people who weren't aware of their older games, they experimented a little bit, first with the Jurassic Park game, which people didn't like. Then they well, did the, don't you, I don't want you to skip over completely because they did one more point-and-click game in between Sam and Max and Jurassic Park, which was the Strong, Bad, Cool game for Attractive game. People series. Yes. That, that game is, is fantastic. That is my favorite of their original game because I was actually very mixed on their original uh, style because – and we'll get to it with their games. I do feel like because they were just starting out, their budget constraints showed a lot because they, they those games relied a lot on reusing locations and characters. Like if you play the first one, they introduced these characters called the Soda Poppers. Samax Se- Season 1 and Season 2 uh, are kind of all right – I will say this. If you never have, it's on PlayStation 3 right now. The Devil's Playhouse, I think it's the best MMX thing. I heard people say that, yeah. And actually, uh, they're on, I believe, some of them are on Xbox. They're all on PC. I think some of them might be on iPhone, too. Um, And the first one was on Wii. Like, they ported some of their games to Wii. Like, the, the season find, one is on one. Wii. Yes, you can find yeah. a lot of Telltale games on different platforms even now. But yeah, but season three, which I think is the best one, is on PS3 right now. Yeah, I, I might start playing it. Actually, I have it on PC and PS3. But uh, and just just to finish up with Telltale, where pe- I think what people are most familiar with them now is they experimented, because after Richard Park, they did a little game called The Walking Dead, and that basically cemented their direction going forward, where it was less about the puzzle solving and more about the decision and choice making like quick time event stuff uh which some people have gotten gotten tired of and i completely understand that but i'm still a big fan of theirs i gotten up to date on their batman game and it's fucking awesome and uh both me and my brother patrick uh past guest of the show would also very much recommend the wolf among us their fables game uh i knew nothing i've about heard fables. great things about the yeah wolf among oh us, i knew I nothing about it. fables i still don't but that game uh it's totally newbie friendly and it's just this great hard-boiled like paranormal detective story it's i love it and their batman game is wonderful is wonderful too uh their games usually don't get like glowing reviews if you go on like metacritic even walking dead and i will admit the second season of walking dead i was very disappointed by the end it seems like because i think like they they kind of are starting to fall into a formula which oh they've been in that um, formula for a while yeah like it's hard for them to mix up that gameplay template, or maybe they're just not interested. So if people are getting tired from that, I completely understand. But for me, I'm really into it. I'm also enjoying the Garden of the Galaxy game, too. But um, we've talked enough about Telltale. Let's, let's, let's say we dive into Sam and Max in general. Okay. Um, I want to say outright, uh, the, the, I think if you want to dive into one particular Sam and Max form of media to digest to see if it's your, it's your kind of thing. I know this is going to sound weird. I would say read Sam and Max Surf in the Highway. I think that is a perfect encapsulation of everything. I don't Sam think that's Max. weird at all because that is Sam and Max in their purest form from their creator. Yeah. I think if, between the TV show, the games, everything, I think just reading the comic in your spare time, it's a collection. It's a paperback collection. You could probably find it some places for fifteen ninety nine right now, I think yeah. is the asking price. I don't think Telltale sung it themselves anymore. I'm not no, sure. No, but it's it's still around though. Yeah. Uh, it's not, in the, back in the day, it was very hard to find because it was out of print very quickly and it was like – but then Telltale, once they started doing their games, were like, hey, we'll reprint it. Yeah, they printed it out, even like the color strips and like all that stuff. Yeah, because oh, he he made some new color strips for their website. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, 
I think uh, the reason why I suggest the comic books is because, and they do this sometimes in the. It's hard to re- recognize in the in the games, uh, but it's also noticeable in the TV shows. Steve Purcell knows how to make himself some really detailed backgrounds. Yeah, they actually. I, one thing I like about the show is it does a great job of recreating his art style. Um, the characters have a very unique look to them, especially like their eyes, and the backgrounds have like heavy shading and darker outlines and such. It's like there's of, so much know, detail in like every little thing. Like yeah, uh, if you look at the DVD box cover for the Salmon Max season collection, which is put out by Shout Factory, Steve Purcell did original artwork for that oh, too. Holding, I have it right next to me. Let me take a look. Yeah, and you did see do those. Like there's things like the the popsicle is melting. Like you see the things on the floor. It's not just a yellow backdrop. It's no, no, no. There's all they, sorts of stuff. On they there. live in. Uh, is it New York specifically? They live in? Do they ever say? Uh, I don't know if they specifically say New York City, but it's a New York City analog. Yeah, it's a you know grimy, uh, grimy uh, metropolitan area, and. So yeah, I, yeah. The comics also. I rereading the comics today made me kind of realize uh, something about. It's not. I don't think it applies to all forms of Sandmax, At least the games. Story progression. Purcell basically does whatever he wants with these plots. Oh yeah, he does that with. Uh, he does that also with the show and the cart, the game to a point. Yeah. In well, fact, there are uh, episodes of the show that are direct lifts of comic stories and dialogue. Yeah, but like, I, yeah, there's a. I think the perfect example of this game wise. Uh, episode three of the Santa Max uh, Devil's Playhouse. Basically, it starts with someone killed Max and. Basically, Sam decides to go full in the war detective to find out what happened. Mm-hmm. Literally, and I don't, I don't think this is too much of a spoiler because A, it's a game that's old, and B, it's only 40% into the game. Basically, just Sam, 40%, just finds Max's brain, puts it in a tube with a speaker, and then they just travel through time randomly. <laughs> uh, like, okay. Yeah, well, yeah, Max dying is nothing new because another great story that became uh, a TV episode, Bad Day on the Moon. Bad Day on the Moon, like, Supercell has recreated at least five times at this point. <laughs> like, oh, wait. Outside of the comic and the show, what have they done with it? Oh, the thing is, there's the original comic from the 1970s yeah. that yeah. he did as a kid. Then there was the actual comic. Oh, I guess and that's then, the one in the Highway. And then there was the TV show. Yep. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, episode the last episode, while not a true, not a beat by beat homage, the last episode of season one ends up on the moon. Okay, I skimmed uh, through the finale because they kind of – they call it the last episode because it's about a bunch of past villains that come together to try and kill them. Yeah. And they do yeah, a bunch the of flashbacks. Thing is, and, yeah, but they, while it's not, a, uh, it's not at all a beat for beat, they always use the same joke. Like they end up on the moon. Breathtaking, isn't it? Of course it is. Everyone knows there's no air on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> but then they take their paper bag masks off. And they're like, oh, no, we can breathe. Those assets were just too cowardly to do it. Yes. Um, let's, I, I want to get into like the style of the show because I think the thing that – has always stuck out to say next about me that really makes it a unique and just kind of awesome and witty series. These characters, I don't have a word for the way they talk, but it's unlike anything else I can think of. They uh, are, they're not vocabulary like, they're not doing vocabulary gymnastics, but they are also at the same time, they're just finding ways to just kind of bounce off each other in a way that is so unique to them. Well, uh, and also it also applies to observing their situations and environments um it it's like i wrote down some stuff from uh from (laughs) because sometimes it just plays into them like i watched an episode of the show where they max gets a watch that lets them time travel 
when it starts, it's doing the thing of like there's a, swir- like a spiral behind them, like clocks flying by, and Sam goes, "Look, the pedestrian special effects, the hackneyed imagery. We must be traveling through time." <laughs> yes. And like, even though I think their personalities are kind of different from each other, in that Sam is very much the straight man, and Max is this off the wall, loves to be you know be aggressive and just be zany. But there are also some people who are like, nothing phases them. Almost literally nothing makes them upset, makes them worried, makes them... There, there that, are, like, basically the one thing that you can do to make them upset is separating them. Or killing uh, Max, which happens or killing multiple Max. times. <laughs> it's just never permanent. As, and, as shown in by the Patch of the, the Moon, Max, or... Max gets vaporized, but then, like, <laughs> Sam's finger starts talking. He's like, Sam, everything that makes me, me, it's that my organs and bones and stuff is now in you. So he takes up, he puts Max's burnt, like, scalp and ears on it, makes a hand <laughs> puppet and draws a face. There's also an episode uh, where um, they basically get stranded on the island New Guinea pigs. Yes, yes. Uh, and uh, basically Sam walks in and thinks that they've turned Max into a throw rug. And no, other way attacking. around. Oh, other way around. Yeah, Max starts thinking that Sam got thrown into a – turned into a throw rug. He's like, actually, no. I just collapsed all the bones and, and organs in my body to just cake this form. Neat, huh? <laughs> and, well, at first Max is like, oh, you monsters. Oh, hey, he feels pretty nice. Yes, hey, this feels nice. <laughs> um, it's, but yeah, it's just like, I wouldn't call them sociopaths. It's just, I don't think they can feel fear or worry. Uh, I read another comic because I actually wrote down, go, just to talk about the way these stories go. In one of the comic stories, a bunch of pirates are about to dip them into a vat of boiling hot wax. And Sam sums up the situation. And Max is like, well, don't fret, Sam. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> like... They do not care if they're about to be killed. They just yeah. they just there's seem a, to... yeah. There's an there's a thing in the comics where they're about to be sacrificed to this like god of like they're about to be like a virgin sacrifice or something out of volcano. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the details, and they're and they're just kind of cool about it. And then like the guy that's trying to do it just blows up. It's like ah, spontaneous combustion. What are the odds? <laughs> <laughs> like, Maybe that's their, that that always happens in every situation they're in. So like I, no, it's better that they're not an explanation for why. Like that's just the way they are. They are very happy-go-lucky guys. Uh, In fact, uh, the final episode of the animated series is basically every villain is trying to kill them, and they just use this time, like, let's just make a clip show. (laughs) At the end, they basically kill all the villains. And the last scene being like, Sam's like, well, is there going to be any more use of the freelance police? And Max is like, hey, there will always be crazy evil guys in the world. Oh, yeah, you're right. Um, also, I do want to check out, there is technically a catchphrase in that uh, Sam likes to say, you crack me up, little buddy. Uh, yes. I just have a funny story about that where – oh, this is one more Telltale thing. Not a Sam Max game, but they both appeared in the Poker Night games. Did you ever play yes. those? I, I haven't played them, but I'm very aware They're of them. They're quite fun. Um, Max I don't know was much in the first one. Sam was in the second yeah, one. Yeah. The way it was, it was – Telltale would take some of their own characters and other media characters. The first one was – it was Max. It was Max the Heavy. Uh, Strong Bad and Tycho. Strong Bad was Pet- in the second one, wasn't he? Or was no, he, he was the first, first. one. He was the first. Um, yeah. And Tycho from Penny Arcade voiced and animated for the first time. The second one was Sam, Brock Sampson, Ash from Evil Dead, and Claptrap from Borderlands with GLaDOS being the dealer. And although though in two's case, Max was hanging out in the background. So because when the gaming said that they would often banter with the, the characters banter with each other, at many times Max would, would like butt in. Yeah. Uh, and I, so I also not? recommend checking those out if you're fans of those characters or any of the others I just mentioned, even though it is not Bruce Campbell voicing Ash. I think actually um, – uh, by the way, this is also a, a personal thing. Um, mm. So 
because I've owned the Surf in the Highway Deluxe Edition, I've read a bunch of stuff on Sam and Max. And one of the things is that Steve Fursell really likes duckies. Um, yes. I, I just looked it up and I'm like, that is a real place. I've never, I've never seen one in real life. I thought he made it up, but it's a real like highway convenience store chain. I want to tell a story because I was driving back from Orlando to Miami with mm-hmm. my sister, uh, not thinking anything of it, and then I see a big sign like about like halfway. We're in the middle of nowhere, Florida, that says Stuckies, and my mouth drops. I'm like, we need to go to Stuckies. <laughs> but by the time I noticed it, we had already passed the exit. Aww. Like I know it's just a nothing convenience store where you can buy T-shirts, but like Sam and Max has dude, Sam and Max loves Stuckies. I want to mm-hmm. go to a Stuckies. Okay, this is my time to bring up. Like I talked about how weird the story structure is, and if it's okay with you, I wrote down two one comic, one episode that I'll go through real quick to just tell you where these, these plots go, uh, and go one ahead. of them does involve Stuckies. Uh, here's an, a TV episode that, as far as I know, is not adapted from a comic. Max is having dental work done when they're summing to a swamp to investigate, like, missing people or something. So they take a boat through a sewer. Uh, then when they get to the swamp, a crazy old guy talks about zombies walking to the lake. They see brainwashed people with gills walking into this swamp lake. Uh, Sam says they can just blend in and walk underwater. They're like, it's a cartoon, silly. We have crazy lung capacity. Uh, Max still and, they, demands- and they draw gills on themselves. Yeah, Max says I, he still wants gills, so Sam takes a magic marker and gives him those. They discover an underwater lair where an evil genius salmon in a fishbowl stuck on top of a metal immobile gangster body is genetically engineering sea monkeys that actually look like the ones on the box. And his plan is to corner the market on them and make, like, food out of their organs. He has a giant <laughs> – and he's, uns- he's removed everybody's brains for them to be his slaves. Uh, a giant fish engine comes in and unscrews Max's scalp. I, Max- I want to say this really quick before you go any further. One of my favorite lines of the entire show is when uh, they unscrews the brain and Sam says, press down his uh, medulla oblongata. 20 bucks says he smells burnt toast. And he pulls out <laughs> bills. Yes. Like, they're so like he's about everything. And so but he d- starts pressing the brain. Matt starts – I think he quote he sings the Lollipop Guild song. He sings uh, What a Wonderful World but gets the lyrics wrong. I think he also talks about Paul Lind on Hollywood Squares. Like, I would, it wouldn't surprise me if the voice actor was just ad-libbing. He runs amok. Uh, instead of stopping him, the fish's bodyguards go on lunch break. And so Sam grabs the fish and threatens to flush him if he doesn't surrender. Uh, the people are saved. The fish henchmen and sea monkeys going to star at a SeaWorld type attraction. And I noticed a quick shot of people taking their photos. You see in the background an alien with a triangle shaped camera and just a disembodied smiley face. And that's where the episode ends. Like the funny thing is, is like your uh, the plots are all over the place. But I'm finding that because to me it leads into moments that are just funny gags and jokes. No, I am uh, fine with it because it's in service of really funny dialogue yeah, and like, I'm, To be honest, I'm just thinking of one-off gags from Sam and Max now. Uh, like, there's the episode with the psychic kid that could turn people's faces into butts. <laughs> yes, yes. And I remember, like, they, uh, when Sam and Max first got into the secret Area 52 facility or whatever, uh, they're given, um, like, these, these giant guns or whatever. And and uh, I think Max says at one point, like, this is kind of overloading the arsenal, don't you think? And Sam, who decided to stick the gun in the back of his pants, goes, I don't know. Do you think this makes my arsenal look big? <laughs> <laughs> the main thing I remember from the episode is that Max is keeps demanding that that kid turn into a type of turtle. It was like a very weird – A painted war- turtle. A painted turtle, yes. And at one point he turned both the painted turtles and Max responds just, thank you. <laughs> like, also worth noting, something I find interesting about every time they've been adapted outside the comics, like games or cartoons, the each iteration adds uh, supporting characters that are exclusive to each version. And you brought up one on the show. Um, the show has a character called The Geek, which 
yes. I vaguely remember her because the idea is that she's a kid genius who is helping to like work on their car and make like equipment for them. She's and, like, basically like their 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 uh, cute. Their, 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 yeah. And I remember revisiting the show. I was kind of worried because uh, uh, forced in kid characters usually suck. We kind of talked about it in our last episode. We talked about like Sonic X and such. The geek works because even though she is not like a free, a fear free sociopath or whatever they are, she's very quippy. And uh, so she's able to go along with their weirdness just fine. Yeah, she, but at the same time, she can also put her foot down. There's an episode I remember distinctly where the geek builds them a giant robot to save the world from a meteor. And then they like, well, they still have the giant robot, and there's no purpose for it. So what do you do with a giant robot that has no purpose? You send them to Japan. Uh, that was her idea. <laughs> yeah, that was her idea. Yeah, no, she she is a good straight man in that case. Instead of just being a kid, like, wow, you're awesome, Sam Max. No, she's funny. Uh, and also in the games, um, did you ever play Hit the Road? No, uh, not Hit the Road. I've, I'm aware of it. I've watched a let's yeah. play of it. Once, they don't have but like never... constant allies in it, but there's like a new kind of like villain to it, and. Uh, it's been a while since yeah. I remember. Like the main I know in the first star. one you had uh, – the first Telltale game, you had Bosco. And Sybil. And Sybil, yeah. And uh, I think in 2 and 3 they introduced Stinky, uh, the waitress. Yeah, Stinky, the waitress, and then you have Papa Stinky who owns the, the place. Does he ever show uh, up in the games? Because I think they said – In she, season three. Uh, OK. Because they're like – she took over the business or something. And she, yeah. Those are all good char- pretty good characters too, especially Bosco. He's this super paranoid convenience store clerk. Uh, Would you pretty, get you get you get in the third game also the ghost of Mama Bosco who was like this 1970s black rights type, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I think they also have like small recurring characters to come back in later like we talked about the soda poppers and uh, I think the soda the, poppers the mole yeah. man. oh my goodness the crime team the computers yes uh, uh, they're ant like antique technology. <laughs> <laughs> like one of them is like a movie phone guy. One of them talks like this. One is literally a fax machine. Yeah. And then you have a, an arcade machine that just yells and talks like, you can do it. Yeah. It's also <laughs> worth noting that midway through the first season, Max becomes president. I think he stays that way. He stays president. But it doesn't uh, actually matter. He's still just doing his own crime solving thing. Like basically in the very first scene of um, – so basically an alien ship lands on – in the very first scene of – the Devil's Playhouse, mm-hmm. and you get this flash forward where basically Sam can now see the future in spurts, and he knows this alien's going to be a bad guy. Uh, so like, he, but he's going like, "I come in peace." All this stuff, and the first thing you see is uh, the agent from the first one is like, "Hello, Mr. President." It's like, "Oh yeah, I'm still president." <laughs> Thanks for yeah. I mean, politics aren't his thing. Uh, he. <laughs> Too many jokes to make about real life, but I'll just I'll take the high road. And yeah, the Telltale games are pretty fun too. The, the, the like the one downside to the adventure games is that they do actually it won't be a downside depending on your point of view. But it's the stuff I mentioned earlier. They do kind of require their storylines to be a little more straightforward. Sort um, of, but like even then, like basically from episode to episode, because the the stories are one long interacting story. Yes, and they're still like, crazy again, the scenarios. The first episode starts with. Basically, here's literally all per episode what each episode is about, and you figure out how this goes into context. Mm-hmm. Episode one, alien lands on Earth to try to take over. Episode two, Sam and Max go back to the 1930s. <laughs> episode three, Max is dead, and, and Sam's trying to figure out what's going on. Episode four, there is an attack of clone Sam's dancing in gold-foiled underwear, and people are trying to figure <laughs> out why. <laughs> episode five, Sam becomes a Cthulhu monster and needs okay, to no. be stopped. Wait, do you mean Max? Max. Because I'm aware of the ending to uh, Devil's Playhouse. I think it surprised some people. 
I really dug it actually because yeah. of the fact. Let's that... Let's talk about it. I'm fine with spoiling it, people. If you don't okay, want so Devil's minor spoilers, spoilers for uh, well, I guess spoiler spoilers for Sam and Max Three to Devil's Playhouse. So basically, Sam is dead. I mean, sorry, that's not Max is dead at the at the beginning of of episode three. They do stuff to revive him between three and five. Uh, however, that stuff also messes with Max's DNA, and he basically becomes this giant Cthulhu monster. Mm-hmm. Basically, the entirety of, of episode five is Ma- Sam trying to do all this stuff so that Max can be stopped and brought back to his old self. I'm not going to go into details about it because I think play it, it's fantastic. But basically, it ends with Max being taken down and dying. And so literally, like, Sam has to cope with this. You get this entire credit run. Of him, where like, sadly Sam, walking. Sam, whom walking down, uh, basically, it has to be New York City because there's this Statue of Liberty scene. Yeah. Like, he's him walking lo- alone slowly on the street. Really somber jazz music is playing. But the credits end, and Sam puts his hat on the bridge, uh, like, in sadness and walks away. Aww. And then there's this big pause. And then Max just shows up, hey, what's wrong, buddy? And it turns out it's a Max from another dimension where the opposite happened. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and so basically Sam became the Cthulhu monster and he just decided to use the time machine from the 1930s part or whatever. I can't remember to travel to to a dimension where Max is dead, but Sam is alive. And so this is a new – technically a new Sam and Max but because they're literally the exact same people. They get along anyways. It's literally a Rick and Morty situation. Yes. <laughs> It, that's that's pretty clever. I feel like in other show, in other franchises, I'd be pissed if they did that. But in the case of Sam and Max, like because they, they played it so hard, it's it's a sad, somber ending credits. Yeah. The music ends. The credits end. It's about it. It stays still on that hat as if it's about to fade to black, and then it just cuts again. And there's Max. <laughs> and like I said, like, but it really is hard to get a stream motion out of them because. When Max dies in that, and also in the Badge of the Moon, when, like Sam isn't like crying or breaking down; he's just kind of bummed. Um, but you also get the feeling like he knows, like it's just not the same if he's doing it solo. Like they are BFFs. Um, yeah. And yeah. I'm trying to see what else I pulled up here. Uh, but if there's anything else you want to talk about with them, please feel free to bring it up. Um, the only other thing I could think of off the top of my head, Sam and Max wise, that I'd like to talk about is uh, I I do think the TV show was not perfect. Uh, there were a couple episodes and stuff they tried to shove down your throat that I didn't like. Like uh, I believe his name was Norm, the friend the for friend life. The friend for life. Uh, the jingle was funny, but the, all those episodes just really were. He's, my, he's an like annoying a, character. Yes. Because there are ways you can do, like, let's make Sam and Max sort of the antagonist type of situation. Like, there's this one episode where there's these two little spacemen that are trying to kill Sam and Max. <laughs> that is a really <laughs> clever ending. Yes. I'm not going to spoil it. You guys watch that episode. It's fantastic. Yeah, because we're like, wait a second. Oh, that's how that, – that's what was going on. And um, actually, to some other stuff I'll bring up uh, – Oh, I remember because I wanted to. I brought up the uh, catchphrase, you crappy little, little buddy. Just a funny little personal anecdote. Um, I played Poker Night 2 on uh, Xbox 360 originally, and each version had stuff you could unlock for that platform, like stuff for Borderlands and in Xbox 360, stuff for your avatar, your Xbox avatar. Uh huh. And I, for a while, I had Sam's suit, and you could have a little slogan for your avatar, so I made mine. Because the time, because the space constraint had to be, you cracked me up. L dot B dot. Uh, my roommate at the time saw that and was like, "John, why are you talking about my dad?" Because that was his dad's initials, and he did not know what Sam and Max were. 
Oh, nice. I was like, well, uh, your dad does crack me up. That's just a, I thought that, I can't help but think of that now when I think of that. Minor song. aside, also, yeah. I'm a little bummed. I never got to buy uh, the, a, a black T-shirt with just Sam's face on it, just like in Sam's uh, cute, marketable, younger self form. <laughs> there are points where they show the kids having Max, and they always bring up. Yeah, Mark of the Bates, like so cute and Mark. Like, they released T-shirts like officially through Simon Max, but they're all like the like Max's skull or something like that. Yeah, that was like the logo for the series from Devil's Playhouse onward. I noticed it's on the well, uh, reprint of Surfing the Highway. Yeah, too. because um, uh, oh, yeah. okay. I do have a little thing I wanted to bring up about talking about because actually you this was something you made me aware of in a tweet a little while ago. In every different company iteration, they have different voice actors for Simon Max. Um, yes, and my favorite, and I think your favorite too, was the one from the show. Uh, My favorite Sam, yeah, Sam. was the one from, one, he, one from the show. Yeah, and he re- he passed away about a month ago. Um, a guy named Harvey Atkin, who is also, it turns out, he voiced Bowser in the Mario cartoons. How do you, that, that's like how do you go from dumb big old Bowser to the eloquently wordy Sam? Well, he, it, you can hear in the voice; it's just yeah. you know, he approached it differently. He 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 worked for decades. Like he was a veteran; he was good at both roles. And um, uh, I just wanted to bring up I. Don't know who the voices of. I look. Well, I looked up the. Actual, I, I didn't recognize Max's voice in the cartoon or uh, Telltale or Sam and Telltale. Uh, uh, I've liked every Max, although I'm yeah. a little partial to uh, a t- Devil's Playhouse Max, just because he's not too over the. Like I think Max in the TV show is fantastic, but tends to push the. Man, I'm really overreacting yeah. panic button a little too Dream much. Uh, well, I think it was the same guy in all of Telltale. So, but Guild Playhouse was maybe where he got to. Yeah. Flex the Sam in the, in the Telltale games, like season one, he was really like low key, almost to the point of like non emotional. He didn't. He really got. With me there, he yeah. got really good the more time okay. went on. Yeah. Do you, okay. Okay. Uh, do you know who the voice of sorry. Sam was in the LucasArts game? I do not. Bill Farmer, the voice of Goofy. Oh really? Yeah, and you would not guess it because he sounds very. The game voices sound very similar to each other. You can tell they're kind of doing an old school detective voice. Yeah, um, and Max in all versions pretty much sounds the same because I think they, they like Purcell and guys had a very had a very clear idea of the sound in mind. Uh, and Max's voice, he's not someone who's done a lot, but uh, Patrick wanted me to bring this up. He did two roles that we both love uh, in the game Psychonauts. He was Coach Oleander, great character, and then one of our my all time favorite shows, Mission Hill. He was Gus, the big gay guy. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, I do want to say, by the way, just in general, the design of Sam and Max, I really dig. There's something about that suit that's just ill-fitting. It's 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 tight in certain places and baggy in others. That yeah. hat looks super funky. The yeah. fact that Sam has three toes that are just kind of like bulgy and out of place. Uh, like <laughs> they are kind of weird looking. And of um. course, uh, my favorite thing about him, we have this giant detective dog. There's this one short comic, like beginning of a comic, where basically uh, a bartender gets a call while Sam is there. It's like, hey, it's for you, McGruff. You hear what he called me? I hate that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That actually isn't surprising that they wouldn't make that joke. And also it's funny that Max is just total lanky, nudist cartoon character basically. Uh, It's also implied that they're basically the same just because Sam is a little more uh, cultured, I guess. He wears a full suit. He is the more reserved of the two. Yeah, like in fact, I'm in that bad day to the moon episode. I remember uh, there's just one line that for some reason made me laugh because it's not like clever or wordy. It just kind of just happens like natural dialogue. Like they pack their bags, they're about to go to their car. Sam goes, "Do you remember to uh, um, stitch the, your name in all your underwear?" And then Max goes, "But I don't," because he's always naked. And Sam goes, "Oh right, me neither." 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, if we he, we wouldn't be able to see it, so I can see why he wouldn't bother. He is still an animal. He can, he has you know some inst- <laughs> That's good. No, that's actually good. And um, uh, again, again, that sh- the the cartoon got away with a lot because of the fact that it was a wordy show. Yeah, um, and that I, might also be why maybe it didn't catch on. Yeah, because like it's not really for kids per se, especially because if you if you take away the violence, like I think the only violent violent episode I could think of is the first one, uh, the one with the fridge monster. What was violent about that one? Um, they attack a fridge monster with bazookas and things like that. Do you not remember this? Scene? Yeah, but it doesn't die uh, until Sam eats it. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's weird. Uh, but. Um, uh, like you know, they they do things that like an adult would like. There's the prison episode where apparently Max's mom used to be a prison warden and always goes to give presents to the pre- the prisoners. And there's a scene where they're in the shower. Of course, you've got to do this joke when you're in a prison. Max drops the soap. He bends over, and there's a big poster note over his butt that says "Do not open till Christmas." <laughs> wow! In a kids show. They, they got away with some stuff. It did, yeah. Just because it moves uh, like the uh, uh, And again, like even some stuff that does is not as blatant as that. I think, uh, again, I'm going to keep reversing Bad Day on the Moon. Uh, basically, my favorite line from that one is uh, basically the commissioner gives him a mission. He goes, we've got a mission that we can wrap our overactive adrenal glands around, <laughs> which Max just yells, are you talking dirty? Oh, man. Max <laughs> says – I wrote down in one episode um, – Max is freaking out, and Sam slaps him to be like a snap out of situation. And Sam, Max's response is, "Hit me again. I like it." <laughs> like oh, man, the, the the New Guinea pig episode. Um, there's a, they're they're falling from a, an airplane. Oh, you brought this one up on the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, Bianca brought this up to my attention. I didn't really recognize it the first time. To which uh, Sam sa- uh, says, "Quick, Max, give me your ears." <laughs> and, which and Max says, Max "You are aware children are watching." there's a lot of implied stuff between those two yeah there are a lot of i mean kids cartoons do that to this day um yeah it's it can be pretty funny when you do it right but uh i'm just doing a quick uh look through through oh okay so just a few random things i wanted to bring up mostly going back to the comics the one story i read through that i hadn't read before and again this goes on just the crazy trajectory of the comics did you read the one about their the road trip with like the manatees and stuff Oh, yes, I did, yeah. Fucking crazy. Here's here's a quick go-through. They go on a road trip. First, they uh, decide to beat up some motorcyclists who are harassing an old couple in an RV. They're about to drive to the Stuckies. They pass it, and Sam explains why. It turns into a large march scene from Pee-wee where he's telling this very serious story about a ghost who haunts Stuckies. And then he says he's joking, but then the actual ghost appears in front of them, smashes through the windshield, and starts strangling Max. His response is, stop killing me. But then he wakes up from a nightmare, and Stamp says, you missed all the fun. What fun? Oh, a seven-foot ghost appears, so I ran over it. And then you get, like, a shot of Max. It's like when Morty is is just all shocked. <laughs> yeah. like, even, like, he's like, you can tell you by him, like, he's like, even by our standards, this is fucking nuts. I love the fact that, like, Sam Max's trademark pose is, I believe it's from that same story, or, like, one of those stories, is, of course, Sam is uh, uh, is surfing the highway. He has his foot on the on the on the steering wheel while he's yeah. standing up top of his convertible car, and then like Max is usually like on the hood or next to him or something of that sort. And there's so many different drawings of that that iteration. I, I feel yeah. like that's, like, oh, that's like the, the trademark. Logo, the opening title card for the cartoon is them both uh, surfing their car. Yeah, and I, I love the 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 the. the 
Telltale website because I was I was constantly monitoring it when I was waiting for uh, Devil's Playhouse to come out. Uh, the op- the opening splash for Sam and Max would be like uh, Sam like on top of his car like basically snapping his fingers or something, and then Max at the very front of the hood smiling right in your face. <laughs> also, also there's a line in the. Uh... In the, in the comic we were just talking about where Sam is, Sam is very trigger-happy. They both have, like, old-school pistols. And so yeah. he does the thing of – but instead of telling Max, take the wheel, uh, he says uh, – where did I write it? Quick, Max, pretend to steer for a second. <laughs> like, they are uh, – I, I love the fact they play with the fact that Max should have nowhere to keep that gun. <laughs> but he, he like, pulls it out from behind his back or maybe up his ass, you know, adult humor. But yeah, they both – oh, I love the fact that in the Telltale games, at least the first one, there's an option just for the hell of it. Instead of just clicking its gun to have Sam shoot any object. Yeah, you can always shoot anything in that yeah. game. And there are funny little touches like you don't directly control Max in the first game. But if you stand around, you walk pa- like through his the path where he is. Oh, it's, it's, been that, it's that way for like all the games. You can Sam just, just like, slaps him in the sky and Max goes, wee. <laughs> like, I think just I, lands on his feet like right in front of you. It's like, yep, this is what was expected. Yeah, I like. Oh yeah, we do this all the time. Like that's what I'm saying. What makes these such fun characters to me is they just legit don't give a shit about anything. Like the, the, and the fact that like I actually really like uh, even though like there's like I think the tutorial for the first Telltale series is like you have to get this rat that stole your phone. Uh, yeah, something like cheese. that. And they open their uh, their closet, and it's full of cheese, but it's all like without holes. And so Sam's idea is, let me just, to solve the puzzle, you have to shoot the cheese. And um, and I believe when you actually choose to do that, Max goes, "No, not the innocent dairy products." <laughs> like, um, and I'm just I, I I did want to because I feel we're getting to into the later moments, but I do want to bring up like we haven't really for people who aren't familiar with Sam and Max, we're talking about like, and I've been bringing up the weird way they talk. I'm pulling up the wiki quote for Sam and Max. Like the one I always remember is, you know, they have a, they do have a boss, this forever unseen commissioner who gives them messages on the it's phone. Commissioner calls, calls, and they're always fighting over the phone. I got it, I got it. But it's always Sam I who gets it. it. Yeah. Um, and he always says like a crazy response. And the one I always remember, it's right here. Holy jumping mother of God in a sidecar with chocolate jimmies and a lobster bib. We're on our way. And uh, <laughs> uh, let me see. Is, in, is like it, jumping Jehoshaphat on a Tuesday afternoon or something like that would always be his reaction. Yeah, to yeah. That. They like they also say stuff where they talk about like, how horrified or how brokenhearted they are or something about something, but they're not saying in a way like they're actually feeling it. Um, <laughs> here's one of the first. Well, by the way, I I I don't want to undersell the fact that the show does have visual gags as well as the written stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah. In yeah. that episode where. Uh, they have to go through the sewers to find out what's going on with these zombies or whatever. Yep, yep. That gives them two options, one of which is a Vespa. And you just see this two-second shot of just them wearing French outfits riding a Vespa with this really, like, French version of the theme song. And then you just – it cuts back to the duo. It's just sort of not in this lifetime. Like, <laughs> um, no, oh, here's here, – the, okay, there's a quote that really sums up their characters from the first episode of this show where, like – they break a test tube, and Sam says, I hope it was, oh, I hope that wasn't anything important. Max goes, it looks like an incredibly violent form of the plague. And then Sam goes, oh, but it tastes like butter. <laughs> and their sentence is going to be much longer. Like, some, there are a lot of uh, situations where Sam will have to explain something to, oh, Bad Day in the Moon, the uh, the explanation of being suspicious of the zebra. <laughs> like, where they're, they're, like, they're on the moon, and some people pull up, they have animal masks on, and uh, do I have the comic with me, you know, I'm right here. 
they, they get on back, the back of a moon buggy, and here we go. Sam goes, so there's a zebra driving, Max, and that's what makes me a little suspicious. You see, in nature, a zebra wouldn't normally hang out with a gorilla. Also, they couldn't drive a moon buggy because they don't have hands. And Max, That's right, the gorilla should be yes. driving. Oh my God, you're right, the gorilla should be driving. That's his uh, takeaway from the whole situation, not, oh, they're wearing masks. And also, <laughs> I love Sam and Max, I really do. There's it's not. Uh, Go ahead. I, I think the one driving thing that keeps Sam and Max fresh is the fact that Different writers and whatever could handle Sam and Max, but they have a very outlined way of talking and dealing with their personality that even if the jokes aren't funny, if you keep that pace, and that style. it feels like the characters. Yeah, I actually I, – I think Steve Purcell did help with the writing for at least the games. I don't know about the show because like I said, somewhat, at least what I'm saying was direct adaptation, but it still kind of – it feels pretty uh, – in line with uh, most of the most of their other uh, official uh, adventures, the one downside to it being such a niche franchise is there isn't really a lot of it. I'm hoping like sometime in the next decade we'll get another iteration of some yeah, sort. Yeah, because the Devil's Playhouse was the last big Semimax thing. It was two thousand eight, maybe a little later, but yeah. So Steve Purcell apparently like the the intellectual property is still his, so it's whatever he chooses to do with it, unless Telltale bought a long contract. I mean, he still shows he still he used to have a blog uh, where he would post like just random sketches of Sam and Max. Yeah, and well, and I mean, all of them are fantastic artwork pieces, by the way. He'd yeah, well, you know like what, he's, what his main job has been for a while, right? No, oh, no, he works at Pixar. He's a story. Oh, artist. nice. Uh, and I'm like the creator of Sam and Max earned a job at Pixar. Yeah, I believe it. Because you were talking about the uh, the artistry in his comics and not just uh, – But the, the problem is Pixar likes to do original work. I'm, no, uh, I'm not saying P- Pixar will do a Sam and Max movie. I'm saying it makes sense that someone with his talent would be able to get oh, a job. Oh, yeah, there. of course. Yeah, because like – yeah, because like Sam and Max, if there were ever to be an intellectual property like movie to ever come out, I don't think Pixar would be the group no, to do Pixar it No, Pixar has never done a licensed movie uh, yet. Something, yeah. Has Disney? I don't think Disney has either. I mean, with Disney, the cartoons, I mean. No, um, they've like done some movies of their shows like Ducktales and Goof Troop. That, that's still their. Yeah, property. but that's a different. That's still their property. Yeah, uh, DreamWorks has. Um, oh, they've done tons, Mr. Peabody stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, the thing about DreamWorks ones is they're a coin flip on their quality. Um, yeah, like basically. I feel um, that way about DreamWorks in general. Yeah, basically DreamWorks movies. It's like you usually get one good one, one bad one every year. Uh, I feel like lately it's been more on the bad side, at least for me. Um, I would I would give a pass to Captain Underpants actually. I heard it was okay. Boss Baby, I think we knew that was doomed from the start. Yeah, Boss Baby is Captain Apparently Underpants, it's, it's kind of like if you accept the fact it's going to be a horrible movie, you'll have fun at how bad it is. Well, it's going to be a sequel. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. Um, I can't wait for the Emoji Movie sequel. Can't wait for them to announce that. Oh, no, that's never going to happen. You know, I, I think know I brought that. this up on Gen N where uh, basically the original idea that I believe it was Sony that wanted to do this was they were originally going to put do have Gendy Tartakovsky do Popeye a Popeye movie. movie. Yes, and they and turned that they, down. They turned it down in order to do the Emoji movie. They also told him go make Hotel Transylvania three. <laughs> God. Um, the thing is, Gendy Tartakovsky. I mean, e- even when he succeeds, he seems like nobody wants him to do what he wants to do. Well, he did finally get it with Samurai Jack season five, but that's like the only time in a while. Yeah, but between like things have been happening with Symbionic Titan, Titan and uh, everything, and there were multiple attempts to bring Jack back before season five. They almost did a yeah. movie or something. But 
yeah, no, and I just to say, just we'll get back to Sam Maximum, but I just uh, about DreamWorks, I've had two surprises with them in the past decade in terms of stuff that I never thought would be good and I personally really liked. Uh, and one I only watched because a friend recommended. Did you ever see Megamind? I, I forever ago, and that one's actually really clever. It's yeah, it's actually I can make a slight comparison to Sam and Max in that it's very dialogue driven. It's less about in your face crazy visual jokes and more just like funny things people say and some it, it does have a good con- handling of the what makes you evil or good concept like that's that movie despite all the ads looking stuff looking bad I was really impressed by it and to the point where I wish I'd seen it in theaters uh, the one that I hold dear to me and that I don't think has much of a following I really liked Rise of the Guardians um, did you ever Rise see that of one? the Guardians. If I'm not mistaken, that's the one with the with the the holidays, right? Yeah, yeah, Jack Frost and stuff. Did you see? Yeah, that? I I haven't. I've heard great things about it. Um, I've also am aware that uh, that Jack Frost has a bit of a following on Tumblr. Him and the villain. The villain is honestly one of the best DreamWorks one. It's Jude Law playing the boogeyman. His design is kind of basic. He almost looks like a, an albino Twilight character, but. Like, there's a part in the movie, you start, like, the best part where he has a one-on-one with Jack Frost, and you get him. You kind of see he's kind of a tragic figure who has resorted to some really bad things. That movie just surprised me so much. It has good human moments. It does have good funny moments. It's not as reliant on, like, the pop cultural stuff that'll date it. It does some really creative stuff with, you know, those time-honored characters, like how Santa does things, how the Tooth Fairy Easter Bunny do things, how they look and act compared to what you expect. People, if, if anybody listening to this has not seen Rise of the Guardians, I really recommend you look it up if you like like good cartoons. Like, I, I, yeah, I feel it like... It almost felt mind. to me like something Don Bluth would do if he still made movies that were good. Yeah, I want to say outright when it comes to movies I wasn't expecting to be good, I feel like I'm in the minority on this one. Hmm. I really dug the Croods. Uh, you know what? I actually liked The Croods too, but I was not against it because, uh, one, it was directed by Chris Sanders, who did Lilo and Stitch and How to Train Your Dragon. And two, I think the trailers for that actually did a pretty good job of showing off the humor. And it's not. A- here's the thing like, it, it's kind of, like, here's the reason why I love The Croods because it's generally for the first hour a family bonding movie with some cheesy moments and some funny moments. Yeah. But it hits you about, like, with 20 minutes left in the film of just. They like do it's going to punch yeah. you in the heart. Yeah, they do and a good I, I, emotional yeah. moment at the end. And I, I and, actually and, did think it was both funny and the environments were great. Like a lot of creativity there, yeah. which I feel Dreamworks doesn't like, normally that, do. Like, I, I wasn't expecting to cry watching The Croods. And I, I think cry, a part of it – the thing that the part of it is um, not to get too much into personal stuff. But when I finally saw The Croods, I think my dad died literally like a month I can understand beforehand. That. Yeah, and the whole like the dad letting go of the family kind of thing. Just yeah, the big emotional really the dad doing something. Like that, that's what, actually that, like it, uh, that's how I felt watching the Good Dinosaur like shortly after my dad oh, died. Yeah, because yeah. I I totally understand that because that was like it was too much. Uh, I, I made the I, mistake I of watching that in theaters with my mom and my sister. My mom was next to me. I guess she saw me crying. And she put her hand over my shoulder like it's okay. I oh, <laughs> I totally get it. I closest thing I can make is. Uh, a couple years ago, my family has always had a dog at some point, and the best dog we have ever had died very suddenly in a freak accident, and I was fucking devastated. And like a couple weeks later, I, I think I was just watched. I was looking up like old school like thirty shorts, and I saw something about dogs, and for some reason that just made me cry because I was just reminded of of a wonderful animal. And I know it's not the same as as a parent, but 
I, I are, like, are things that go, we go through in life can impact the uh, severity of. Uh, I, yeah, like I, I, I think I wouldn't like the Croods as much as I did if it did if it's not not just because of that scene, but when I saw it. Yeah, and that I think, and I actually I do think the Croods is a pretty good movie. It's just not an amazing movie, but it's funny and it's clever. I check out the Croods too. Uh, last thing I'll say, then we can finish up Sam and Max. I said on. Uh, did you listen to the episode where me and Chris talked about emotional our favorite emotional moments in animation? I wasn't on that episode, but, no, but I was did you listen guys to it? did it. I haven't had a chance to, honestly. Uh, the last one I bring up is Finding Dory. Uh, not to spoil anything the same, but the, the reunion scene and touching on the elements of Dory's uh, issue is I have dealt with depression for most of my life, and that really hit struck home with me about you know what the guilt I felt on my family, but they're in the same situation where they are like, no, we accept you because that doesn't define who you are. And last thing I'll say is because I've, I've been pushing you guys to review this anime called Death Parade for a while. Um, yeah. And I'm probably going to cover it at some point. Uh, Chris didn't said he didn't like it much. So I'll, I'll look. I'll find. I guess uh, the end of that show, the topics it's touched on, really impacted me. And yeah, like even there are even things that like have nothing to do with anything in particular, but you get like a relationship feel. That's why I, I honestly believe flat out the first How to Train Your Dragon movie is the perfect CG animated movie hmm. uh, because of the way it wraps around its story. I get uh, that. Yeah, I, I was, I was, I actually did really like the first one a lot. I was actually very let down by the sequel. I was too. Because uh, uh, here's the thing about the sequel. Yes, it's freaking beautiful. Well, I remember. It, I think you talked about the big dark moment that you said felt unnecessary. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spoil no, exactly no, 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 no. what it is for those who haven't watched the second movie. But something happens, and then they try to do the same thing again 20 minutes later. It's like, why couldn't you have done that then instead of now? You literally did this for no reason. I mean. That's funny because that's the moment where the movie picked up for me. I think the last act was really strong. My oh, problem no. was I, I think the movie picked up when freaking the mother and father reunited. I think that's what the best scene of the entire film. Oh, like their song and dance reunion? I've never stopped loving you. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, that of... is cute. I guess my problem with that movie up till when shit hits the fan is that it is very exposition heavy compared to the first one. Because they've got to establish yeah. everything that's going with the mom. They've got to establish everything going with this villain. The Plus first they one rehash like, a lot, like the drawing scenes and like... The, well, the first one felt so natural in that not only were you learning more about Toothless but you, and stuff, but you were learning about it with Hiccup and these characters. Like, they were growing and uh, their understanding of the characters and were along with you. And two was more just, well, we'll spell it out for you. But... So that, that ends our episode on DreamWorks movies. I hope you all enjoyed yes. it. Um, one last thing I guess I'm going to say personally on Sam and Max, and you can go from there wherever you want to. Sure. I think uh, I one thing one of the first things I remember seeing about Sam and Max after I played the demo for the first time of the game. Of uh, Yeah, because basically if you bought the if you bought the TV series, uh, it came with a disc that had yeah. uh, a demo for uh, the Santa. The, the first episode of season two. Yes. And they had some extras on there as well. And I remember seeing this thing of Comic Con of a Sam a Sam suit, but it had like it was carrying Max like a doll, and his mouth moved like a puppet. Huh. So it, it was like maybe the person's right hand was in Max's head instead. That is of, and, and so it'd be like Max trying to bite you. And I was I, like, that's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Oh, I wonder what you know what. Happen. I actually, if you go on Sam and Max's Wikipedia page. There's an image of I think that's what you're talking about under cultural impact and reception. It shows what I'm pretty sure is that person. Yeah, because it's a really clever suit, and it it's, is. I think it was officially made by Telltale to promote the game at Comic-Con. Oh, that, that makes sense. I think I'll, uh, I think I'll make, I think I'll make that the thumbnail. Because there's there's a, there's a video short that is is hilarious. It's just 
uh, Sam, the the guy in the Sam suit, just trying to get to Comic Con places. And there's a quick scene of him trying to get to Lucas Arts booth. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. Lucas Arts, by the way. What was that? R.I.P. Lucas Arts. Oh yeah, that's down. true. They don't exist anymore. Uh, EA is doing Star Wars now. But at least you know we got Telltale for the adventure games to to a degree. And but yeah, so so obviously you would recommend. Okay, you know what? Let me ask you a good question. Uh, or maybe you said earlier, what would you recommend for newcomers? What iteration above all else? Would it be the comics? Okay, so I would say if you want to get a general feel for what Sam and Max is like in its purest form, the comics hands down. Mm-hmm. Uh, read Surf and the Highway in particular. Uh, because if you try to read other Sam and Max, like they're good, but I feel like you have to read. Well, Surf and the Highway is also most of the comics. It's a compilation. Yeah, but also you have like the web comics. Yeah, you, you have, have stuff that like, was added in the years since the first printing. Yeah. I think the TV show is the easiest thing to get to because you can just literally type in Sam and Max on YouTube and you can watch Sam and Max Freelance. Plus. Yeah, and which that, I would yeah, actually that. suggest watching not the first episode first, but uh, dark, the Dark Side of Bad Day on the Moon. Mm-hmm. I would say it would be the first thing you watch to, from yeah. the TV. And show. I don't know if I brought it up that was my first exposure to Sam and Max. I didn't know they were anything else for a while. And I actually we talked like about like how we didn't find an audience. Uh, I was actually pretty sad when it ended because I thought it was a blast. But I, I it also reminds me of how. Um, there were a handful of cartoons kind of along that same line in the 90s, just super witty and abstract. Fox, yeah, Fox Kids had a, a lineup of shows that just just came in the ether and went. And like, well, well, Kids WB did it too because me and Chris, one of our first episodes was about Freakazoid. Um, Freakazoid I, was really clever. I've heard um, The Tick is in a similar vein. I've never actually watched it. The, and, tick, is, the tick is funny. I wouldn't know if I would call it clever. Okay. Uh, uh, also, I because literally also, the most memorable thing about that is just the word spoon. One thing uh, that I also recommend that not many people ever talk about because I also recorded it. I think it aired back to back with the Freakazoid. The Earthworm Jim cartoon is great. It's good, yeah. Um, there are some I wasn't that are clunkers, but what? I wasn't huge on it, but I liked it. And uh, speaking of Fox Kids shows that don't get enough love, Eek the Cat is fantastic. Oh, I used to love Eek the Cat. I haven't revisited uh, though. I, I do feel like like half of it is just the theme song, but like nostalgia for me. But like I feel like Eek the Cat in that Fox Kids era is mm-hmm. like that encapsulates what it was sort of like. Because basically, like if I'm not mistaken, the block would have been at the time you would get like X Men, Spider Man, Eek Rangers. the Cat, Power Rangers, this. Uh, and, well, I think I think not, no no it might have been a little later. Uh, seven yeah. X, it was like 97, 98, so I'll bet either X-Men or E-Kid ended by that point. But you might – you're close. You're close. Uh, man, I actually – we Patrick and I still have a few – my brother, we, we still have a handful of quotes from our cartoons we do every now and then. And I always pull out the that recurring joke of Eve being like, I'm glad you're – I appreciate uh, – I flatter you're interesting, but I don't have a girlfriend. See, isn't she a beaut? Gee, she's really fat. Really? They did that like a dozen times. Like he was so oblivious to his girlfriend being overweight. I, I could go on forever about underrated shows in general, but like yeah, then same. I'd be here for another hour. But so I'm, not, I'm going to stick I'd, straight I'd to talking about it too. I, yeah, I, I briefly brought up Mission Hill, and I know you guys did an episode that I'm going to try and do an episode with Chris or someone else today. We want to do an ep- a full episode on Mission Hill. I don't think we have yet. Yeah, you did. You did. You. I think you weren't on it or past the first half hour or something. I might not have been on it. Because I know we yeah. did it. We did it for one of the anniversary shows. Yes. No. No. There was a full episode. I listened to it. It was. It kind of inspired me to go back and rewatch it. I'm like, ah, I get more out of it as I get older. It's such a wonderful, unappreciated show. Um, I, I I do want to uh, continue like because uh, if I'm going to slightly derail into Gen N stuff, like there's a bunch it. of stuff I would like to revisit. But, like, I feel like I've waited way too long to revisit it. I, I've been uh, able to revisit the uh, Nick TMNT at some point. 
I want to revisit Nick TNT because stuff has happened. Oh, a ton. Uh, It's wrapping up too. Yeah, it's, a lot of stuff has happened, and I feel like all that stuff is fascinating stuff. I would like, as we can see with Ellie, I would like to finish Monkey Team. Even though know, season three is terrible, honestly, like, like last season sucks. No, the third season sucks. The fourth season is fantastic. Do you know why like, the third season sucks? Because they literally spend like. Here's the thing: the third season's plot is basically they go into space to chase the the skeleton king who's now mm-hmm. merged with the dark one worm. So almost nothing happens on Sugazoom because the entire thing is just going planet to planet to planet to planet. Okay, so it's and kind the of problem with that stories. is basically uh, these one-off stories. Yeah, some of them are good, but then you have some that are absolutely terrible. And like it's just like, why are we spending twenty minutes on this instead mm-hmm. of dealing with the skeleton king situation? And the fourth one's better, but it ends on a cliffhanger. The the, the fourth one, yeah, the fourth one they go back to Sugazoom and basically spending what a year or whatever away from sugar zoom stuff has happened to that city mm-hmm. uh, so a lot of stuff happens that's why i think season four is fantastic and it ends so cleverly and then it's over <laughs> yeah no people for people who don't like there was a show in on jetix a while back super robot monkey team hyperforce go yes um, which uh was created by a man named Sir Nielli, who's worked on who, uh, he's 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 executive one of the executive producers on tmnt 2012 executive producer on avengers earth mightiest heroes mm-hmm. executive producer on transformers animated which we talked about and uh writer and director on teen titans yeah the original yeah he has, he has a pretty good uh well chris and i weren't big on transformers animated but i, I enjoyed it more than chris i and, like transformers animated uh, but mostly, mostly because I think it was just clever and funny. It wasn't the best Transformer show, but it was a good cartoon show. The main, well, I mean, I remember that it had a weird, his. I feel like his art sensibilities were very odd for a Transformers show. It looks the most different. Megatron um, has lips. <laughs> so did Optimus, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and just what I was getting at was, you are a huge fan of Monkey Team, and I still have yet to watch it. But I think I'm going to at some point because, because it, you brought it up. The thing about that show is it's not a perfect show. In fact, there's no some is. really bad episode is. Uh, there's some really bad episodes of that show. But mm-hmm. I think the thing that makes it really stand out to me is the fact that it's such a loving tribute to uh, 1980s uh, action anime. Like it's very yeah, cool. inspired by like Sentai stuff, Astro Boy. Because the thing is, Siro Nielli is loves not just anime culture. He loves Japan culture. Okay. So there's a lot of Sentai nods. There's a lot of... How do you say it? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that. And he purposefully animated it so that, like, the the show would, like, there would be, like, like, in between frames that wouldn't be there. (laughs) uh, Things like that. The only time it would ever be smooth is, like, during, like, a season finale or something. And, like, when those things would happen, then it's like, oh, wait, whoa. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. And, I mean, something I'm... I, I think I've I've brought this up to you before, and I'm going to bring it before. Like one thing I definitely intend to get on this show on not on Jenny, but on Sketchwatch Play someday is I kind of feel like it's the closest equivalent I have because it's something that never really made it big here, but I adore. It's this French cartoon called Dragon Hunters. Um, technically, it is I on your think list. I've but heard of it, but I'm it, unaware. It aired on Cartoon Network for like two weeks, and then it went straight streaming. And it's kind of a unique piece of its own because it was two seasons and a movie. And the first season, I I do really, really love it. It's a great atmosphere, some really witty writing, and just a lot of imagination and heart. And the movie is pretty good, but has uh, some strange plot decisions, but also has some good heart and beautiful visuals. The second season they made later, and it took a long time for it to come over here, I, this is a unique thing where it is 
a disaster solely in the audio department because one, they changed all the background music styles, this really like tinny styling, like bass and just feels totally at odds with the show before. And they recast literally every single voice with legitimately some of the worst voice acting I've ever heard. Like they only list the new voices and I can't believe any of them were doing acting for a living. It was, it took me out of it bad. Um, but since you, I will say to people, you can find that show if you know where to look, you can find it, and I recommend looking up the first 26 episodes and maybe the movie, and you can look, I think you can count on me speaking about it with someone someday on this show. Chris, it might be up Chris's alley. Um, yeah, but I guess just give a final word on Simon Max. Simon Max, <laughs> when? We've had some good t- in, in classic generation animation tradition, we've had some epic derails. Kind of like how when you, in- were you on the House Moving Castle episode? Yes, I was, yeah. That, because Chris gets started on that. And somehow it got into talking about what if A Christmas Carol had the Burger King as the three ghosts. Just weird stuff happens like that. But my closing word on Sam and Max is I absolutely do recommend – I'd say every iteration of it because what I've talked about with the way its plot and dialogue are written, there isn't really anything else like it. So even if you don't completely fall in love with it like the two of us do, I think you'll get something unique out of it. And it's also – it's the perfect blend of of quirkiness and genuine wittiness in its characters. And it's like, yeah, and Felipe just texted me. We are going to wrap this up. So we both recommend Sam and Max. I recommend Danganronpa V3. And Felipe, you recommend Marvel's Capcom Infinite on certain conditions. I, I don't recommend Marvel's Capcom Infinite uh, unless you're a fighting game yes, fan. that is the only condition. <laughs> but uh, I want to thank you again for uh, – for coming on and just real quick where can people find you on social media uh you can find me personally at fizzucker on twitter as well as at fizzucker on tumblr if you want to see me just post random crap yep Yep. uh uh, you can also find generation animation the podcast that i've been doing for the past five years at generationanimation.com. we're on facebook at generation animation we're at twitter at gen animation we're on Tumblr at genanimation.tumblr.com, mm-hmm. and we may or may not be doing a Discord server soon. Yeah, you uh, tweet about that. I'm interested to see how that goes. I, I got to figure out the logistics of it because I've never created one before. I also uh, got to figure out if Discord is doing something on my end because we just had that connection issue that I've had with other guys yeah, before. Yeah, but I, I like like uh, group Discord uh, chat rooms and things like that. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in a bunch for. Uh, the South Florida fighting game community for uh, and New Legacy Inc. Uh, various people I'm very good friends with that have a massive following, like uh, 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 Jordan, who is the former Judy Small. Uh, mm-hmm. It is has a great Discord chat room where they have like all sorts of stuff going on in there as well. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and I just want to real quick for viewers um, give. We actually do have a slight uh, layout for the next couple episodes in terms of the guests and who we've been talking to. So, uh, actually, if you were, if you are subscribed to our Twitter, you may have noticed I originally said this episode was going to be about me and my brother Patrick uh, talking the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. Uh, basically, the night it was going to happen, plans fell through for Patrick and he couldn't make it. But that will be our next episode. Uh, after that will be Tyrone, uh, Chris's brother, uh, who was on a Transformers episode. We are going to talk all the theatrical X-Men movies. And uh, the one after that, I believe, we have not just – I don't think we've settled on a franchise quest or, or topic just yet. But it is going to be another generation uh, animation co-host making its debut here. Uh, that will be Mark Gonzalez. Uh, who you can listen I'm to curious to see how Mark will do on this kind of format show because Mark is kind of an interesting person. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, like, I think he has good viewpoints on a lot of things. So, uh, oh yeah, he's a really smart person, but I also think he 
he is also a very like matter of fact type, which is yes. going to be. <laughs> uh, he he takes some very cynical uh, opinions of things sometimes, uh, but. I actually look forward to see how he handles. I very uh, much look forward. To it. it should be my first time talking to him uh, voice to, over voice too. It's must be Twitter. I'm never guessed everything. I, I, every time I try to invite you on for an episode, like Mark is just not around. <laughs> yeah, I, it, we've talked about it before. Sometimes uh, podcast uh, scheduling can be hard to pull off up even up to the day. Like like I said, the same day we're about to record with Patrick, he was like, "No, I can't do it." Uh, but since I don't want to keep you around anymore, uh, I want to thank you again for for filling these shoes. Uh, Last oh yeah, anytime. Uh, I'm more than happy to be on yeah. the show. Based on what we talked about at the beginning, I'm sure I'm certain this will not be your last time on, uh, even once Chris is back. Yeah, and, and at any point you want me back on, uh, as long as I have the time, because it's hard for me to find time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be more than happy to join. Yes, uh, but for so I want to thank all uh, all listeners for tuning in and enjoying. Uh, next episode is going to be episode twenty, so it's only fitting that we celebrate with one of me and Patrick's favorite series ever. But for now, I am John Flurry, And I'm Felipe Diaz-Vera. And I cannot think of some sort of... Well, I want to say you crack me up a little, buddy, but saying that to you would be kind of creepy, I think. You crack let's me up Let's hit the road. Bit. Let's hit the road. Yeah, let's hit the road. The digital road. The information superhighway, a term nobody has used in 20 years. Good night. want me to do the introduction uh i have to sneeze so give me one second and then once that sneeze goes out of my body you can go give me one yeah, second yeah, yeah. it's like you... it's right there <laughs> oh you, okay. you you blew out the mic on the wall on that one that was quite sorry